Now to an extended interview with Christian Eriksson, who has no fears about his health and has urged his new Brentford teammates not to go easy on him. Eriksson, who's joined Brentford on a six-month deal, has been fitted with an implantable cardioverter defibrillator after his cardiac arrest at Euro 2020. Eriksson, who says he's nearing a return to first-team action, revealed he was keen on a move to Brentford even before they declared their interest. Eriksson also addressed rumours that Tottenham are interested in signing him once his Brentford contract expires. I don't want to go over the incident again because obviously you've, you've talked about it already and, and talked about it in detail, but I wanted to ask you how much you think it's actually changed you as a person? Has it, has a, has it changed your outlook on life, on, on football? Uh, no, I think on I think on life first and most. I think it's been just another proof that that the family is even more important now than what it was before. It was important before, but you do look at it differently. Look at your kids differently. Um, so that has changed a bit, but in the football terms, not that much. Uh, the enjoyment to play football was there before, and even now. After seven months of not really playing football, of course, the, the enjoyment and the excitement is, uh, is slowly and, uh, and quickly at the same time coming back. So when did you decide, I'm going to come back, I'm going to play football again? Do you remember where you were and who you were with and you know, when you made that decision, I'm, I'm coming back? Uh, no, yeah, it was, a long, it was a long period of time. I mean, it, it was pretty early that in the hospital we were told that... Um, yeah, with an ICD, there's no limits. You just need to, to let it heal, first of all, for a few months. And then after, you can uh, literally do whatever you're capable of and what you can do. Um, so, yeah, no, it was pretty quick that I wanted to go back. But at the same time, I didn't want to do anything pushy. So I went straight, of course, to, to see some doctors and really make a program for, for three, four months, um, which I've been following until... Uh, <coughs> sorry, almost... Yeah, or until end of December, now January. Um, we're a lot of testing, a lot of training, a lot of see what Mahat is capable of doing and what happens. Um, and luckily everything has been going well and all the tests has been, uh, has been good. And uh, that's why I'm lucky enough to, to see it. So it's been a long process. Um, but of course, my mind was, uh, mine started early of going that I'm going to try and see uh, I can play again. And luckily I can. And did you did you talk to the family about it? I mean, what did they make of it? What did your wife and your your family say when you said I'm going to go back? I mean, were they were they worried about you? Did they what, what was their reaction? No, of course they. Uh, yeah, no, they've been very supportive. I think they, of course, they've been through a uh, a hard time from when it happened. I'm luckily that I'm still here, um, foremost. And um, yeah, no, they've been in the process all the way. They've seen how much work is put into, how many tests I've done, how many, uh, how much I trust the doctors in what they have done. And uh, then it's only for to trust them as a, a tr family trusts me and then trust the doctors. People in the world know that if you do get something from a, a heart something, a heart problem, and uh, and they give you an ICD, that doesn't stop your world from, uh, from living. You can still do the things that uh, the doctors advise you, advise you to do, <coughs> and of course it depends on the diagnosis. But with this, you're you know, you're more safe than anyone else, really. I spoke to daily. I know daily from many years. So I have spoken to him many times, and especially after this, of course, I've 
I've even seen him a few times in Amsterdam uh, after I spoke to him about it. And uh, one thing, even in the first week when I was in the hospital, I texted him saying, uh, what can you do with this or what do you do with that? Um, so, yeah, no, I have spoken to him. And obviously he's the the more famous sign of it can be uh, can be doable, you can do it. Um, but I've had teammates before who had an ICD and I've seen it in the youth that you can play with it. So it's nothing that's new is more for the common world is more new and i know in hospital in denmark is a is a very used thing that's what you hear in hospital of course that it's very normal that people get an icd and it doesn't stop your world from from anything do you think it's more more of a sort of a mental this mental side of things that's, that's, that's the, the tough part now that you you're trying to get yourself mentally ready to to do it uh no because i think mentally i'm ready i mean for me of course, when it happened, um, I didn't feel it in the way that people saw it from the outside. And I haven't felt anything from it since. I'm aware that I have an ICD, but I don't feel that in my daily life anymore at all. So it's just there. Talk us a little bit about sort of those few weeks when you were deciding you know, where you were going to play and, and what made you choose Brentford in the end. Yeah, no, I think, like you said, it starts with uh, the first phone call in uh, in December from, from Thomas saying uh, hi and saying how far I am. And of course, at the time, I was not really in the, in the public eye of how far I am and how far I am from training with the team and stuff like that. And also some interest from, from other clubs. And uh, yeah, no, I think that the mix with Brentford, uh, even before they called, um, that was in my mind because it would be... Of course, it would be uh, from the outside one of the easiest clubs to to get into as a Danish guy who knows the coach. Um, and the time the contract is not as long, of course, so you can settle in pretty quick. Um, for the family, is uh, is perfect. On the outside, we were in North London for a long time, so we know the areas. Um, so it's easy for family and for football to to pick Brentford. And how have they helped you settle in your teammates? You know, I, I, I can imagine you would be a little bit concerned they might treat you differently on the training pitch, obviously, given what's happened. Has that been the case or have they been getting stuck into tackles? And uh, No, I told them on the first day there's no, uh, like, there's no reason to be, uh, to be go easy on me. Otherwise, I, would, uh, I wouldn't play football if that was the case. Every day it gets easier and easier to join in, join in. Uh, with the level of intensity and uh, um, and running wise and technical wise it's getting easier for every day um, but no it won't be far off but at the moment we really just go day by day and see what happens and finally I want to ask you about comments by Antonio Conte recently obviously you had a great relationship with him at Inter and he said that the tour would always be open for you at, at, at Spurs how did that feel listening to that, you know, and, and you know, he said that you, you bumped into each other the other day. How, how was that talking to him and, and, and hearing those comments from him about Spurs in the future? No, yeah, no, it was nice. I mean, it's, um, I'm happy to have open doors uh, for me. Obviously, I was there for, I was there for a long time. And uh, yeah, to bump into Conte was, uh, was a surprise. Uh, definitely a big surprise walking out the the taxi and uh, going into the hotel and then the first guy you see is uh, is uh, Mr. Conte. So, uh, yeah, I know it's nice to speak to him. I haven't seen him, of course, since, uh, since we won the league um, in Italy before. So, uh, yeah, I know it's nice to see. But again, let's see what the future holds.
I mean, I'm at Brentford now, and that's where that's where my focus is. And this is Bloomberg Technology coming up in the next hour. Musk's mission to Mars. The SpaceX founder is about to unveil progress on his Starship system that aims to one day carry people to the red planet. We are live from Boca Chica, Texas. Plus, Twitter's new CEO says investors shouldn't expect major changes to the product or growth strategy. We'll catch up with CFO Ned Siegel post fourth quarter results. And CRISPR, the breakthrough gene editing technology, is now 10 years old. The Nobel Prize winner behind it, Jennifer Doudna, will join us to talk about what the next 10 years of biomedical innovation hold. All of that in a moment, but first stocks falling today, inflation spiking to record highs and rate hikes looming. Let's bring in Bloomberg's Kriti Gupta. For details, Kriti, investors got the jitters. Yeah, Emily, it's a pretty scary picture when you look at the stock market. A lot of red on the screen, a lot of it coming down to several factors. You mentioned them. The inflation report in particular, CPI coming in hotter than expected. So, of course, no surprise there. That is going to increase those rate hike bets. The idea that the Fed needs to be even more aggressive to really tackle this. And then on top of that, really the cherry on top of a pretty hawkish Sunday, the idea that James Bullard comes out and says, well, 50 basis points is on the table, as is a 1% rate hike or 1% worth of rate hike increases by July. He's seen as a kind of consensus of perhaps a leader of Fed policy when it comes to what his uh, themes are, even though he is considered kind of an ultra hawk. But you can very see, you can see pretty clearly the NASDAQ took it on the chin down 2%. That VXN gauge, the volatility for the NASDAQ really higher. But I think the biggest move in the market has to be the 10-year yield uh, up 10 basis points on an intraday basis. And it's the margin of the move that matters when it comes to tech, because this is not 2021 anymore. Higher yields don't spook tech, but a big move, like 10 basis points that we saw today, that is definitely going to spook the NASDAQ. And you see that red on the screen. But let's get to some earnings here, because that's really where you saw pockets of green and start with Twitter, because Twitter did actually come out with earnings this morning, coming out with some lackluster numbers, but actually announcing a higher buyback, $4 billion worth. And you saw Twitter shares actually rally intraday, investors looking past those lackluster earnings. But I want to show you on a longer term basis, for the last two years, essentially in the pandemic era, social media stocks have been making a round trip, not just Twitter, the likes of Meta, uh, Snapchat, Pinterest as well. You can see they had that major rally, but now they are turning around. The question is, can they redeem themselves going into the rest of the year. Another positive story we have to look at is Expedia. They, of course, reported after the bell some pretty strong numbers when it comes to bookings and when it comes to simply the rebound of travel despite this last quarter being dominated by the Omicron variant. Does that continue into the summer? We'll have to wait and see, Emily. All right, Kriti, thanks so much. 
Meantime, in a matter of hours, SpaceX founder Elon Musk plans to outline progress that the company has made on Starship, a massive, gleaming launch system that aims to one day carry people to Mars. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow is in Boca Chica, Texas, where Musk will make this presentation. Ed, I understand there are throngs of people there, hundreds of cars. Set the stage for us. It's just madness here, Emily. I got to the airport last night, no rental cars left. Every hotel in Brownsville, the nearest city, is sold out. There have been hundreds of cars parked around Starbase, which is over my right shoulder. And over my left shoulder, that's the full-stack Starship. So Starship, the spacecraft on the top, the super-heavy booster on the bottom, 349 feet in total. And people have been going up to it all day, taking photos. But I just got kicked out. The cops kicked me out, M, because they're doing a security sweep. They're going to let me back later tonight to hear Elon. All right. So what are we expecting Elon Musk to say? Yeah, so he, he's done this before. September 2019, classic Elon, a PowerPoint slideshow where he kind of follows the PowerPoint, but not really. He starts talking rocket science. He ends with human biology. You know, he talks about the quantum realm, all kinds of stuff. But what we want to hear... When are we going to Mars, Emily? That's probably the main one, right? Because that is the future of the Starship system, to carry the payload, a heavy payload, 100 metric tons to Mars or 100 passengers. And in 2019, he said, oh, in a few months, we'll do an orbital test. It never happened. And you'll remember what happened last year, right? Lots of fireballs, lots of crashes after that little six-mile hop. And eventually, in May of last year, it did make a six-mile leap into the air, the Starship, and then land itself successfully back here in Boca Chica. Where have we gone since then? We want to know. So... What do we think the answer is to when? I mean, is this years off, decades off, centuries? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we know that we have a few milestones we know about, right? We think that an orbital test flight for Starship is going to happen potentially this quarter, at least in the first half of 2022. The FAA actually has to conduct an inspection of what you see around me, which is respectfully just a massive swamp. But it is a wildlife sanctuary, so they've got to do a wildlife and environment assessment. If that's successful, we could get an orbital test flight. And then what SpaceX is talking about is a mission by 2024 on manned to Mars. Remember, uh, Maizawa, the Japanese billionaire, he has a ticket to the moon and back, hopefully a return ticket to the moon and back on Starship for next year. So we want to know if that's going ahead as well. And what about a man to Mars? When does that happen? Or a woman? This is classic Elon Musk, right? <laughs> Everything that he said in 2019, respectfully, he missed those deadlines by a long way. But clearly they've made progress, right? What's so astonishing is when you're standing underneath the thing over my left shoulder, the full stack, the sheer scale of it, this is not a Falcon 9 rocket. This is next level. It is ginormous. And all of the 29 or 32 Raptor engines that it have, each individual one can generate 450,000 pounds of thrust. It's seems so real we just need to see it go into space do you know what i mean i know what you mean we will be waiting for all the details and more gesticulating from you our ed ludlow on the ground in boca chica texas waiting for elon musk thanks ed well the biden administration plans to spend five billion dollars over five years to install chargers for electric cars most of them would be placed along interstate highways. This is an attempt to convince more drivers to buy electric vehicles. The money coming from the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed 
by Congress. Coming up, Twitter's new CEO is aiming to move faster, but not changing course. We'll break down Twitter's fourth quarter results with CFO Ned Siegel up next here in the studio. This is Bloomberg. status quo seemed to be the theme of Twitter's fourth quarter earnings call. New CEO Parag Agarwal promised to push projects through faster, but told investors they shouldn't expect major changes to the company's product or business growth strategy under his leadership. Ned Siegel, Twitter's CFO, with us here now in the studio. Great to see you in person. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here in it, person. It's awesome to have you. It's been a while. So this was your first report without Jack Dorsey with Parag in place. Let's wait on the numbers for a second. I just want to know how the last few months been going. What's it been like under well, new leadership? It's been great. So Prague's been at Twitter for 10 years. So he knows the people. He was a critical part of building and implementing the strategy over the last few years. He's been a teammate to many of us at staff. So when he was promoted to this job and he made some very fast changes around how we're structured, it felt very natural. It was somebody who you knew came from a position of a deep understanding of our work and who cared a lot about the people, it feels like he's off to a great start. Now, it sounds like he's planning to just execute the existing plan. I shouldn't say just, but is that the case and is that really the right strategy? Well, there is no change to our strategy. We feel really good about the work that we're doing, but we know we need to move faster. We know we need to drive more accountability. We know we need to be more metrics focused. So, so some of the changes that we put in place are really designed it to be in service of more accountability and being more metrics driven. Let's talk about the numbers though. Ad revenue came in light, user growth came in light, the forecast was light. You're reiterating this goal in 2023, 315 million users. You say that that is realistic. But if you grew about 13% last year, doesn't that mean you need to grow over 40% over the next couple of years? And is that really possible? So we came in in the top half of the revenue guidance range that we provided for the fourth quarter, and we came in in line with the DAU outlook that we provided for the fourth quarter as well. So we're pleased with our results for the fourth quarter. As we look ahead, we shared some metrics today that we hadn't shared before, that we've seen 35% growth year over year in signups on Twitter in the fourth quarter. We've seen 25% growth in signups plus reactivations. That means we're getting more people coming to the front door of Twitter, which then gives us more opportunity to convert people to DAU over time. It's those insights or those early indicators that give us confidence that we can accelerate DAU growth in the United States and internationally over the course this year and that we can be on track for those goals by the end of the next year. So over 40%, 40, 45% over two years. Well, I think you're compounding it. it get, what, it what it is is 20 or 20% more growth compounded over this year and next year. So let's talk about rebooting. I know that you've talked about how these dormant accounts, people are coming back to the platform. What's different about rebooting now than, let's say, 2019 when some of these users may have taken a pause? 
So there's so much that's changed on Twitter. If you just think about the onboarding process, now 40% of the accounts that are created on Twitter during the fourth quarter were created using single sign-on. That means people use their Apple or their Google ID. They didn't have to create it or remember a new password. They didn't abandon the sign-in process while they were in process. Second, we're asking people about the interests that they care about when they go through that process of creating an account. If we know what you care about, we can make much better recommendations to you then and over time. So we can turn an at-bat into a loyal audience member because we've shown somebody right away how useful Twitter can be. These are two good examples of what we've done, but there's so many other things as well that have improved. Always love the baseball metaphors. Um, the $4 billion buyback, what is the rationale there? So we left last year with $6.5 billion of cash on our balance sheet. We added another billion very early in January from the proceeds of the Mopub sale. So with $7.5 billion of cash, we felt like we could, one, commit to buying back shares over time and $2 billion in the very near term and continue to execute on our plans. Hiring, we're going to grow a headcount over 20% this year. We'll continue to be acquisitive, bringing technology and talent to our company and continuing to build the infrastructure excuse me, the infrastructure we need to deliver Twitter. You recently started allowing users to use NFTs as their profile pictures. How is this going? How popular do you expect this feature to be? And how much traffic do you think it will drive to the subscription service? So if you pay $3 a month in the United States and a few other countries, you have access to what we call Twitter Blue. You get to see the top articles organized in your network. You can undo a tweet. There are a few other features as well, and one of the cool ones that we announced just in the last couple of weeks was that you can use an NFT picture, or an, an NFT as your profile picture. Every time we launch a new feature into Twitter Blue, we learn more and more about how people want to use the service, where people find value, who the right audience is for a service like this. We're going to continue to iterate on both the price points and the features that we include in a subscription offering to make sure we get it right. So everyone seems to have a view whether it's overhyped or not on the metaverse. What is Twitter's view on the metaverse? How do you define it? How important do you think it will be? And do you have a strategy? Well, Twitter's about what's happening in the world and what people are talking about right now. If there's a topic or event that you care about, if there, you have something you want to share about it, you want to learn from others, we want to make sure that the tweets are available to you wherever you are. Whether you're on your sofa, or you're on your way to Mars with Elon, <laughs> or you're uh, sitting in front of your computer screen interviewing somebody, we want the tweets to be there for you. Some of that's gonna happen in our app. It's also gonna happen through our APIs, which allow people to improve the experience uh, involving tweets, either in our app or elsewhere. And so we'll just continue to work hard to make sure that wherever people want to find tweets, that they're there for them. So uh, do you expect this to happen in the metaverse? Do you expect the metaverse to be a thing someday? And does Twitter need to be part of building it? I think virtual reality is inevitable that there are going to be a lot of different ways that people experience events. Sometimes they're going to be there. They, other times they may have goggles on. And whatever it may be, we want to make sure that the tweets are there for you to see them be a part of the conversation. The Super Bowl this weekend is a great example mm -hmm. that so many people use Twitter as a companion when they're watching something either at the event or on TV. The Olympics, March Madness in the United States, these are other great examples of it as well. You mentioned the Super Bowl. Obviously, the Olympics, we're potentially seeing midterm elections uh, later this year. You know, in the past, when I've asked you about big political events or elections, you've told me, you know, there are things happening around the world on Twitter all the time. Um, is that still the case that you 
that traffic is more consistent or do you see those bumps happening over time when there are big events and do you see those as ways to draw new people to the platform or reactivate those dormant accounts? Big events are incredible opportunities for us to grow our audience, to show people how much Twitter, better Twitter is than the last time they came to the service and to help advertisers find new customers on our service. But those big events are happening all over the world. It could be a cricket match in India. It could be an election in Brazil. More than 80% of the people who use Twitter are outside of the United States. And so that means that a lot of the events that are happening that are drawing people to our service aren't actually happening here in the United States. Twi Twitter spaces, I know you're on there a lot. How much traffic is this driving? How do you expect it to be built out? So Twitter Spaces has been a great way to get people involved in more conversations with the spoken word, not just with tweets, with text and video and pictures and so on. And uh, we did one today to talk about our quarter. Uh, the NFL and the NBA have included them in our recent deals with them, so they do weekly spaces. Uh, I hope you'll join one soon so we can talk about yeah. the things going on in the technology landscape around uh, the Bay Area and beyond. Uh, but it's been uh, off to a really good start so far. I'll see you back there soon. Thanks, Twitter CFO, Emily. Ned Siegel, thanks so much for coming in today. So great to see you. All right, coming up, Sonos shares jumping in aftermarket trading, beating estimates, and apparently the supply chain crunch. We're going to have Sonos CEO Patrick Spence with us next. This is Bloomberg. Speakermaker Sonos managed to weather supply chain pain, beating Wall Street estimates in their latest results. This may be thanks to the rise of remote work, with consumers increasingly building out new audio experiences at home. Joining us now to talk about all the latest results, the outlook ahead, Sonos CEO Patrick Spence. Patrick, I want to start on the supply issue because we've seen weakness in so many different companies because of the chip crisis, the lack of supplies. How did you navigate this so well? You know, it's it's an incredible amount of work uh, by our team to both re-engineer some of our products to so that we could actually put components that were available uh, into our products, uh, as well doing some spot buys in the market, you know, really shaking the trees in terms of being able to find those components and then, you know, navigating the container shortages, uh, the congestion at the ports, COVID, you know, Omicron kind of coming out. Our team just did a tremendous job and we ended up as you saw, being able to deliver more for our customers, thankfully, and exceed expectations. So I'm super proud of the team. Uh, and I think we've put the, the toughest quarter from a supply chain perspective behind us. Now, sounds like there's going to be a surge in demand and a lack of supply for a while. What's the outlook for the rest of the year? Can you continue to do what you did this past quarter for the next three? Yeah, that, that is the definitely the focus. You know, the consumers remained really strong. So we left the quarter with a big backlog. Um, our consumer, you know, seems really strong into January, February. Um, we, of course, still have some backlog. Um, we still need to fill our channels with inventory, but we do see it getting better uh, during the course of the year from everybody we're talking to uh, out there. So I think the worst is behind us, and we are looking forward to an exciting uh, rest of the year. How 
much has the pandemic boosted sales? And if the pandemic is moving into the rearview mirror and people have their gear, they have the speakers that they need, does that mean a slowdown could be ahead? I mean, what does longer term growth look like? You know, we're not a one and done product, right? So, so the interesting thing about our business model is that our existing customers come back and buy more over time. So last year, 45% of our sales went to existing customers returning and actually adding another Sonos to their system. And we grew the average number of products per customer to three. We believe over time we can grow that to four or six. But the other important thing about the fact that those existing customers are coming back and buying more is they also go and tell their friends to get Sonos. So they're our number one source of getting new customers. And all those new customers we added over the last couple of years, we know from history, they will come back and add more products to their system over time. So we feel really good about the way we're positioned you know, for the next few years. So let's talk about adding new products to the portfolio. Everyone wants to know about those Sonos headphones. Any updates that you can share there? We have a lot of exciting products coming uh, for sure. You know, especially as we go back outside, I think uh, Rome and uh, Move are two portable products are ones that I think are gonna be huge hits as we get into the spring and go through it. And of course, Emily, I will come back when uh, we have new product news ready to share. All right, well, huge fans of Sonos Move here. Folks also wondering about a voice assistant. Siri, Alexa, Google, you're competing with all of them. Why not launch your own, um, given that you've got the equipment? What a great idea. So, um, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, we did uh, acquire uh, a company that uh, specializes in voice. So uh, stay tuned for more on that. We, we do think that there's a real opportunity in uh, really addressing kind of audio specifically, music specifically when it comes to voice. There's a lot of, you know, great kind of ask anything broad solutions out there. Um, but we, uh, you know, we have some ideas on how uh, this area could be even more interesting. You recently won an IP lawsuit against Google and kind of a David versus Goliath story. And I'm curious if you believe some of these bigger tech giants have too much power, too much dominance overall. Absolutely, and I've taken to uh, testifying in front of Congress uh, as well on this front, uh, speaking with the White House uh, when they reached out because, you know, having been in the industry for 25 years, we've never seen uh, companies you know, really generate this much power and use it then as well to uh, really squeeze the oxygen out of new competitors that are coming up. And you know, one of those things is some of these big, big tech companies really using their profits in one part of the business to predatory price, uh, you know, the smart speakers that copy what we do and these kind of things. And so that's why it was so important we took Google to the ITC and why I think it's important to speak out on this issue. You've talked about how Apple has too much power too. What's the solution? I mean, is it is it a breakup? You know, I think uh, we have rules on the books, quite frankly, uh, you know, that, that talk about predatory pricing that kind of address some of these issues and they need to be enforced. And I think with the new administration, new leadership, uh, the DOJ, uh, FTC, uh, some of the bills that uh, Senator Klobuchar uh, and Senator Grassley are bringing through, I think are heading in the right direction in terms of really spurring a whole new generation of innovation uh, into the United States. So I am optimistic based on where we are today, but we're gonna have to watch and see how that develops over the next year.
So about 30 seconds left. What's the uh, long-term growth roadmap? Yeah, you know, um, we have a huge opportunity ahead. We are in about 10% of the, the homes that we think we can address over time. And we'll do $2 billion in revenue this year, which is fantastic. But we play in a space with $90 billion in annual sales. So we have so much opportunity when it comes to sound and really being the sound of your entire life. And that's where we're going. So no, no plans to be acquired soon because that's often the speculation that Sonos is an um, acquisition target. You know, you can see from our results, we are putting off some really great cash flow. Uh, we have a strong balance sheet. We are acquiring companies. Uh, so we feel like we're in a great spot. And uh, I am all for a lot more independent companies. I think it's better for innovation. I think it's better for the country. Um, so we're going to stay focused on doing everything we can to build this company into a multi-billion dollar one. Patrick Spence, CEO of Sonos. Thank you. Thanks, Coming Emily. up, it's been 10 years since the discovery of the CRISPR gene editing technology. The biochemist and Nobel Prize winner behind it, Jennifer Doudna, joins us next to talk about the next 10 years of implementing and commercializing this technology. This is Bloomberg. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. CRISPR, a breakthrough gene editing technology co-developed by Nobel Prize winner and UC Berkeley professor Jennifer Doudna, is turning 10 years old. The discovery that CRISPR could be used to rewrite DNA launched biomedical research into warp speed. And innovation in this space, including drugs based on this technology, has been accelerating ever since. Now, the global investment firm Sixth Street is bringing Professor Doudna on as a chief science advisor to help with the commercial development of CRISPR. And I want to bring in Professor Doudna, as well as Marty Chavez, vice chair and partner at Sixth Street now. Uh, Jennifer and Marty, thanks for joining us. Jennifer, 10 years since CRISPR, and I'm so curious about the next 10. How is gene editing technology going to impact our lives over the next decade? Well, thanks for inviting us back or inviting me back. Emily, great to be here. The next 10 years of CRISPR. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's very exciting to think what's ahead. Clearly, we're seeing a lot of advances right now in clinical medicine, in diagnostics. And I think increasingly, we're going to see opening uh, doors opening in agriculture and synthetic biology as well. I'm very excited about the ways that genome editing is going to intersect with, with computer science and artificial intelligence in ways that are uh, hard to imagine. So I think increasingly in 10 years, we'll see CRISPR woven into many aspects of our, of our daily lives. Marty, Jennifer's expertise is obviously unparalleled. How do you hope having her on board will help guide and inform your investment decisions? Well, Emily, at Sixth Street, we've been very successful in the past in our uh, thematic investing. So, and a theme would not be long, short equity. A theme would be the convergence of healthcare and data. And to be a credible partner and to take full advantage of the flexibility that our investors give us with their capital, 
we need deep expertise in the field, and that's going to make us better investors as well as better partners to the management team. And so with Dr. Doudna's uh, unparalleled expertise, um, this is a magnificent uh, golden age of biology that is dawning, and we're thrilled to be collaborating with her. So, Jennifer, what does the commercialization of CRISPR look like to you? What sort of business company investment opportunities do you see that have potential? It's interesting, Emily. I think the technology today is at a point where it's, its demonstrated potential is, is vast. And we're poised at a time when increasingly we'll see opportunities for real-world applications of CRISPR. And I think it's incredibly important to make that possible with appropriate investment. Couldn't imagine a better uh, partner than Sixth Street. This is a firm with deep expertise in the financial world. They've done uh, a lot of uh, investing over the years in different aspects of healthcare writ large. And with Marty's expertise in computer science and data analysis, it's going to be a, a really exciting opportunity to make sure that opportunities that have to do with genetics and, and genome editing are appropriately capitalized. You use that word appropriate, and you know, as we've discussed, there are major ethical concerns about how gene editing technology can be used for better or for worse. How are your views evolving on the appropriate use of the technology? Is it okay to use it to choose the cover, color of your baby's eyes, for example, or simply to eliminate genetic disease from your genetic line? As you know, Emily, I've been involved for several years in the global discussion around the ethics of CRISPR. I think that's incredibly important as the technology advances. Right now, there are so many opportunities that frankly don't involve any of the things that you just said that um, I think we're gonna have plenty on our plates. And in the meantime, it's just important that the, the global scientific community continue to, to work on appropriate transparency as the, as the technology advances. So Marty, given that you run healthcare and tech initiatives, what are the opportunities that you see um, what are you most excited about in terms of the implementation of this technology? Well, Emily, fundamentally what drew Jennifer and us together is a shared vision. Uh, in one of our early conversations, uh, I remember back over the summer and in the fall, uh, Jennifer and I just got incredibly excited about this convergence of computer science and biology. I feel like I've been waiting for this all my life. I, I majored in biochemistry because the <laughs> professor told me that the future of biology was computational. I worked on artificial intelligence and medicine 30 years ago. The computers just weren't fast enough, but now they are fast enough and we have enough data to build high fidelity digital twins in software that accelerate the process of scientific discovery. And I think that intersection is what, what got Jennifer and Sixth Street excited to, to bring her expertise in the science and the bioethics and our flexible capital, put them together to make people actually better, make CRISPR a reality in people's lives and in their health.
Marty, the lack of diligence around Theranos and the proclamations of Elizabeth Holmes has sort of captured the fascination of the world. And I wonder how that's impacted the, the, the scientific investing community. And if, if, if you think investment firms like yours need more people like Jennifer Doudna, folks with educational backgrounds and academic backgrounds like your own to make these kinds of decisions. Well, certainly um, there, there are many things that went wrong at, in other companies, um, but we just keep our focus on, on ourselves and our knitting. And one thing that's worked for us, as I mentioned, is thematic investing, a deep and rigorous underwriting process, as well as deep partnerships with the domain experts. There's no substitute for that in the due diligence and in the partnering with the management team. Um, it all leads to a virtuous cycle of uh, better returns for our investors and making people better, bringing the science and translating it into better healthcare outcomes. Jennifer, of course, you've also been a pioneer in mRNA technology that's powered our COVID vaccines. And I'm curious where your thoughts are on the pandemic now as this drags on. Do you think we can really prevent the next pandemic before it happens? Or is this a cycle we're going to see over and over again over the course of history? Well, there's no doubt there are a lot of lessons learned in the current situation. I certainly hope we can, if not completely prevent the next pandemic, at least uh, be better prepared than we clearly were for this one. Honestly, you know, the combination of innovation, uh, investment in fundamental science that went on over decades to bring about the mRNA vaccines that many have benefited from is a wonderful example of how science steps up. And I just think we need to continue to invest in that kind of fundamental innovative work that's going to prepare us for the future, whatever it brings. All right. Well, Dr. Jennifer Doudna, Nobel Prize winner, and Sixth Street, uh, Marty Chavez, thank you both for joining us. We're excited to see where uh, the bets you make, and we'll be watching your next moves. Thank you. Coming up, we're going to be joined by Robin Hood's Chief Legal Officer, Dan Gallagher, for an exclusive interview and an update on Robin Hood's roadmap ahead. Plus, crypto wallets. That's next. This is Bloomberg. UK and Australia are warning of increased global threats from crypto ransomware, according to a finding from the cryptocurrency tracking firm Chainalysis. This as ransomware attacks have surged. Time now for our crypto report and our own Shanali Bostic for more. Tell us more about these threats, Shanali. Well, Emily, just take a look, and this is from data from Chainalysis, the blockchain data platform. The scope of how much these payments have jumped to more than $600 million with ransomware payments in 2021, likely to be higher once all the data comes in than what you saw in 2020. That could surpass $700 million easily 
easily, and that is quadruple. That is more than quadruple, what you saw in 2019. So part of this also, Emily, is a jump in the average payments. You're seeing more than $118,000 in 2021 when it comes to the average payment per ransomware attack. And that increased from 88,000 the year prior and 25,000 in 2019. So it's just exponential, both in the total number that you're seeing in ransomware attacks, as well as what you're seeing per ransomware attack for the average payment for each of them. What are we learning about where most of these hacks are coming from? And who's behind them? Yeah, it's a great question because now you have global coordination coming from the U.S., the U.K., Australia. And there's a lot of worries here about ransomware attacks coming from Russia, coming from Eastern Europe. And then also Chainalysis had also looked at the cryptocurrency wallets associated with ransomware groups such as Conti, DarkSide, and Evil Corp. So learning more about those groups is going to be key for, uh, for regulators in this space. But also, again, this is a global coordinated effort to really crack down on some of these ransomware attacks that are happening. All right, Shanali Basik, thank you for that update. I want to stick with crypto for a moment. With Robinhood recently launching its crypto wallets with 2 million people on the waiting list and looking to expand from 1,000 to 10,000 customers next month. I want to bring in Robinhood's chief legal officer and former SEC commissioner, Dan Gallagher. For more, Dan, great to have you with us. Putting your regulatory hat on, what are those uh, 2 million people, what should they be waiting for in terms of tax rules on their digital assets? Don't, don't make me put my regulator hat back on, Emily. It was so much fun <laughs> to take it off uh, years ago. Um, but no, it, the, the rollout of crypto wallets is a big event here at Robinhood. Uh, you know, the, the refrain we heard from customers uh, time and time again in social media elsewhere was win wallets. And uh, we, we were obviously hard at work behind the scenes trying to put together the technology to offer this to customers. So finally getting to the stage of rolling it out is, is just great excitement. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good feel here at Robinhood anytime we are able to give our customers what they so so sorely ask for and need. Okay, but there's also great uncertainty about what regulation lies ahead. You know, what should anyone who owns a digital, digital asset these days be preparing for in terms of tax rules and other issues? Yeah, look, obviously the tax status uh, is something that you've seen uh, played with in Congress and various bills that uh, weren't, weren't germane necessarily to cryptocurrency, but through little riders and things, uh, th there have been various tax implications with crypto that have arisen over the years. You know, at, at Robinhood, obviously, uh, we our main business, our traditional business is brokerage. And, you know, we are uh, fully compliant in the way that we roll out tax notices and, and all the tax documentation our customers need. And we apply that to our crypto offering, too. So we're we're, we're feeling really well prepared to serve our customers in that regard. And I think, you know, other platforms are going to have to catch up uh, when, you know, tax reporting requirements are applied to them specifically. And given your former regulatory uh, position, I know you are also talking with regulators often. What regulation are you preparing for in terms of, uh, you know, how it's going to impact Robinhood, not just on the crypto front, but across the platform? Regulators have a lot of questions. Yeah, look, it's it's a uh, you know a, a heretofore unchartered regulatory territory. Uh, kind of reminds you of the OTC derivative space in the years before the financial crisis. 
a uh, lot of interest, a lot of customer interest, and you've seen the rise in crypto ownership by retail investors in, in the US, I think some measures I've seen $3 trillion. So a really important asset class to pay attention to, a really important asset class not to kill in the crib. Uh, that's, mm -hmm. you know, as policymakers look into us, it doesn't mean they need to bring their hammer and look for, for every nail. You know, at, at Robinhood, uh, we obviously strive to, to roll out a safe product to our customers, one that you know, has uh, guardrails around it and uh, education, uh, you know, transparency on fees and the like, and, and you know, notably, you know, quality execution, which is something you don't hear about uh, too much in the crypto space. We bring that DNA from our brokerage side into crypto, and, and we're focusing more and more on just ensuring that our customers get great execution. And, and Emily, on the regulatory side, the one thing that's really interesting that we're doing You've heard the SEC, you've heard uh, Chair Gensler in particular say, you know, to you crypto platforms, come on in and talk to us, come on in and register. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time at the SEC and it wasn't exactly sure what the contours of that registration might look like, but we've engaged with the SEC. Uh, we've had a, a few meetings with the staff and we're trying to, to flesh out, you know, what, what would this look like to be an SEC registered platform? I'm not sure quite frankly, where it's going to lead us, but the SEC staff has been very receptive and, uh, you know, we're, we're engaging in some pretty substantive uh, discussions with them about what it might look like. Well, it's been a year since that big GameStop moment, and in a blog post last month, you said you never want your customers to be surprised with trading restrictions again. What's the message to retail investors that are considering Robinhood now? How can you give them confidence that won't happen again? Look, I mean, you, you know, there, there was no bigger trauma in the history of Robinhood than, than having to, uh, to stop the buying in certain, you know, very, very popular meme stocks a year ago, right? It's just antithetical to our whole mission and purpose is to cease trading in, in any flavor. And obviously, you know, our customers let us know how they feel, felt about it. They, they didn't like it. Uh, and, you know, reputationally, it was not a, a good look for us. So we, we felt it. We hear the pain of our customers, and we've done everything in our power to ensure that something like that never happens again. We're sitting right now, uh, Emily, on five times the amount of regulatory net capital in our clearing firm, Robinhood Securities, that we had last year at this time. Uh, we had $500 million then. We have $2.7 billion sitting in, in regulatory net capital. That puts us, by the way, in the general vicinity of some of the mega investment banks on Wall Street. So we, we went out, raised the money. That money is committed effectively to our customers by locking it up in regulatory capital and ensuring that we have that massive backstop to ensure that restrictions never need to be applied again. Meantime, the price of Robinhood shares has declined significantly over the last year. And I'm curious, you're facing several class action lawsuits. What's your general response to these? You know, look, I mean, uh, Robinhood, like other fintech and financial services firms and tech firms over the last several months, has encountered some macro headwinds, right? The, you know, if you look at the performance of this sector, Generally, I think, uh, you know, we largely mirror that. And these things, you know, work in cycles. And, uh, you know, for me, for, for Vlad and the rest of the management team at Robinhood, we get it. We're playing the long game here. Uh, you know, we're building great products that customers want. We're focusing on customers and products and safety 
first, and we're not really uh, looking at the stock price, worrying about that. You know, on the class action side of things, I mean, this is life in America as a public company. You have plaintiff's firms that just live for stock movement uh, in, you know, in a negative direction, and they'll come in and sue. I, I feel very confident uh, in that context that uh, we'll prevail on the merits, that okay. there's no uh, justification for it. Meantime, there is still SEC interest in the gamification of markets. There's this suit from the state of Massachusetts saying you're taking advantage of young inexperienced investors. What are the chances you might settle here? Are there any changes that you might accept from the state? Yeah, look, I, you know, it's unfortunate that we had to litigate with Massachusetts, but, you know, unfortunately, they, they dropped a very unfounded complaint against us, making allegations that simply aren't true. Uh, you know, one problem we're facing at Robinhood as a disruptor is, you know, we've brought to bear technology in a very old marketplace, the brokerage marketplace that has disrupted everything. We've dropped fees. We've brought in a whole new generation of investors, right? And if you look at uh, Emily Fed data showing the rise in retail investing over the last five years, the, the, the rise is really incredible. Uh, the diversity of the new investors is amazing, effectively doubling in the last five years. Right. And that tracks pretty closely to the rise of Robinhood. So we feel really, really good about bringing these people into markets that had been shut for years to them. And we think regulators, I think regulators, you know, whether it be Massachusetts or elsewhere, they need to kind of get with the times, right? The old rule books don't necessarily apply. And, and quite frankly, in, in some instances, the old rule, rule books, uh, you know, shouldn't have been applied okay. Um, okay. as with the Massachusetts complaint. But maybe Charlie Munger's almanac still does. I see that one behind you, Robin Hood's oh, yeah. chief legal officer. <laughs> Emily, Dan Gallagher are, with you are with an eagle eye, Ducky. Emily. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's our amazing producers who've got those so eagle good. eyes. Um, Dan, thank you for joining us. Great thank, to have you. Thanks for show. having me, Emily. It's been great <laughs> to you. Okay, coming up, YouTube has big plans for 2022, and it involves the metaverse. We'll talk about all that and more next. This is Bloomberg. YouTube said it will start creating metaverse experiences on its video platform, beginning with gaming, following competitors' investments in the buzzy category. For more, I want to bring in Bloomberg's Nico Grant. Nico, what is YouTube's metaverse play going to look like? YouTube says that it's still very early days, but that gaming is, you know, the important category to start with when it comes to making immersive experiences. And this company has not decided to bet the farm on the metaverse the way that Facebook now Meta has. And so it essentially means more virtual reality videos on the platform, which have been there since 2016. How does this fit into Google, YouTube's parent company, their track record on virtual reality? What is it really? Well, you know, Google could always say that we were there quite early. Back in 2014, they created the cardboard platform known for its distinctive cardboard uh, box that you could place your phone into. 
but after a while, interest in that tapered off. The company has been far more circumspect about how it's going to make a play in the metaverse, focusing instead on the search platform, maps, and YouTube. And so uh, many Silicon Valley watchers have been quite keen to hear what the company has to say. Um, Google always says, whether it's Neil Mohan, the chief product officer at YouTube, or Sundar Pichai, head of the whole company, always says it's early days. All right. Well, it seems to be early days for just about everyone. We will be watching Miko Grant, who covers Google and YouTube for us. Thank you. And that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to be talking with Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi after a big earnings report, big investor day today. You don't want to miss that. Coming up tomorrow right here on Bloomberg Television. This is Bloomberg. Audio Jungle. We could tell you exactly why Bomba socks, t-shirts, and underwear are so comfortable. We could talk about our soft fabrics or how we donate one item for every item you buy. But we think our customers said it best. So we hired some professional voice actors to read real customer reviews. Bum diggities on my piggies. It's like being hugged by an angel. I borrowed a pair from my son and didn't want to give them back. Give an item when you buy an item and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash comfy. We are not responsible for your behavior. We believe in common sense. You're listening to News Talk on Strange But True Radio, episode 3 of 2022, with Philip Jones and myself, Philip Keeler. On tonight's podcast, Britain is braced for higher energy costs. Social media is terrible for British school children's mental health. Russia's planning a fake attack to justify invasion of Ukraine. And I currently have COVID-19. I'll tell you my experience living with the virus. We're heard wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple, Google and Spotify. Find us also now on YouTube. This is Strange But True Radio for a mixed up generation. Britain is braced for higher energy costs. Star Wars toy collector and our Chancellor Rishi Sunak 
has uh, told us we are paying more for our power as the price cap is to rise again and inflation expected to hit 7%. That's a heck of a lot. Phil, um, this looks like a terrible situation for families to be in already in fuel poverty, as they're calling it now. And those of us about to go into fuel poverty because of all of this. Um, why, Why is this happening now? Um, it's to do. I think it's to do with the threat from Russia in the Ukraine, because Russia, Europe, the European Union relies on Russia for thirty percent of their gas, and as such, if if the Russians are threatening the EU, the supply, the general gas supply is threatened. So that means supply isn't as prevalent, which means prices go up, both supply and demand. But I equation. thought we had all these wind farms and uh, renewable energy sources. I thought, thought things were going to be okay. The UK, isn't, UK doesn't, isn't affected as much by what Russia does because our, our imports of Russian gas is very low. I think it's less than 1%. But um, that doesn't stop the energy companies being able to create a hike in prices. Because they're under threat. The supply is under threat, therefore the prices go up. Okay. Simple as that. So Rishi Sunak is um, is sort of going to give people hundreds of pounds this year through um, uh, through council tax, I believe. Is that is that going to work? I don't think so. I think what Rishi Sunak does is he relates money to how much Star Wars toys cost. <laughs> So if you can buy a decent Star Wars toy for 200 quid, he thinks that'll, that'll, that'll be all right for the poor. Oh, Chewbacca. <laughs> yes. No, it's crazy. I mean, 200 quid, you have to pay it back. I mean, it, you have to pay it back. Why would you bother to create that much bureaucracy for the yeah. sake of 200 quid? And can it's I just say, to our worldwide money. listeners... Um, we haven't. I don't know whether we've said this before. Rishi Sunak is one of the most richest people in our country. Oh, that's tr- well. His so he doesn't live in our world, everybody. His father—that's absolutely true. His father-in-law's a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. And he's minted. He worked for banks and made absolute fortunes, um, millions, millions. And so he's respected because he's got money. But I find a lot of people who have loads of money become remarkably inadequate, as mm. you can see by our government. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. That aspect of society is very interesting. The more money you have, the more incompetent you become. It seems to be. I have seen that a lot of criticism the um, of the the price cap. That they're saying actually this price cap is is way too much. It doesn't work. Well, I don't. It seems to me to be a fiction. Yeah, because the Guardian said this is how they calculate it. So I went on and looked at it to see how it's calculated, and no one said anything. How do you calculate a, a figure of £1,971? Where does that come from? And if you've got a massive house, a massive a mansion with 100 servants, yeah. is your price bill capped at 1971 And if you've got a one-bedroom flat that you live on your own, is that capped at 1971 as well? Yeah. What's going on? So I looked to try and find out how they calculated, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So that's a bit all a bit weird. And then... They're saying that the energy companies, because of the price cap, were unable to charge what they should charge because the prices of the suppliers had increased their charges. If that's the case, why have all the profits gone up? And then Rishi Sunak at the same time is taking the, 
wanting to give us 200 quid, he's taking money off everybody by a national insurance increase. Yeah, yeah. So it's, he's robbing Peter to pay Paul. He's trying to gain political points by saying, I'm giving everybody some money. I'm giving you all 200 quid. And he thinks that's going to appease the masses. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a travesty. It's absolutely appalling. Why is he taking money with one hand and giving it back with another at a massive cost of bureaucracy? It's absolutely ridiculous. And he also, his, this is a £9 billion recovery package he's paying. £9 billion, he says. Right? So, if he's so concerned about recovery packages, where's £50 billion, £50 billion, £50, million gone? Yeah. So, £50,000 million disappeared on government contracts yeah. during the pandemic. And on the day of party, the party gate was announced, <laughs> on the same day they leaked party gate... There was also a news story that the Good Law Project had secured a prosecution against the government for unlawful conduct in their awarding of fifty billion pounds worth of contracts. Yeah. So how come it how come it came on the same day? Because yeah. Johnson is known for diversion. If you ask him about one of his policies at one time, they said, "What do you like to do in your spare time?" He was saying he likes to paint buses on cardboard the side of cardboard boxes <laughs> which was what everybody was concerned about the fact that he was painting buses on the side everybody was distracted by that the the real um <laughs> meat and potatoes of the story was avoided entirely because people suddenly became interested in this farcical idea of him likes to paint buses on the side of cardboard boxes or cartons or something like that yeah. So what he does is when he's in the Houses of Parliament and they ask him a question, he talks about something else so mm. that he diverts the questioner. And that questioner is often Sakir Starmer. And this happens all the time. So if you'd ripped a country off for 50 billion quid, mm. when would you leak Partygate? You'd leak it on the same day. Because yeah. if you leak it on the same day, everyone's going to be distracted by Partygate. So that is a terrible thing because... Twer that that party that fifty billion is five times the nurses' salaries. Where they, if they paid a hundred percent, so if they want to double the to double the nurses' salaries, they still have forty billion left over. Mm. And if that money hadn't disappeared, there would be no national insurance hike because the national insurance hike is only supposed to create uh, twelve billion pounds. So why are they bothering with a twelve billion pound national insurance hike and then giving back nine billion? Imagine the cost of the bureaucracy on that. And they're saying, oh, we haven't got enough nurses, we haven't got enough social workers, we haven't got um, less things, I don't know, we haven't got enough police, we haven't got enough prison workers, we haven't got enough carpenters, we haven't got enough bricklayers, we haven't got enough painters and decorators. Let's employ them to do pointless, create pointless bureaucracy which wastes everybody's time. Mm. It's absolutely ludicrous. You couldn't make up how stupid this is. And government resources and time in the Houses of Commons is taken up creating nonsensical fundraising projects which shouldn't be in there in the first place. I mean, how could anybody believe that £37 billion, that's how much test and trace costs, £37 billion, the equivalent per head in Ireland costs £10 million. £10 million. Mm. And, and the, the actual creation of the app in Ireland for their test and trace was about eight hundred thousand pounds. Okay, eight hundred thousand. So how come it's three thousand seven hundred times more expensive in the UK 
per capita than it is in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, could we not just borrow the app from Ireland and say, they are lads, here's a few hundred grand, we'll pay half, mm-hmm. you pay half, we'll have the same thing, happy days. But no, 37 billion disappeared. Where did it go? It went on contracts that were awarded unlawfully by the government. Mm-hmm. And that has been found by the courts. The system of justice that we have in this country, country found the government's conduct to be unlawful and nobody saying anything. Of course they're not saying anything on the BBC. I'll tell you why not. Because the BBC are under threat for their licence. There's an underlying tension between the BBC and the government because yeah. the government is saying, is your licence worth it? And there's another farce. How much does it cost to collect the licence? How much does it cost in legal fees and expenses and searches for people who haven't got a licence so you can take the poorest to court? We can take the poorest to court because they haven't got a licence. It's only going to affect the the poor because they're the only ones who won't be able to afford it, right? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of all the bureaucracy and then employ the people who, who, who create that bureaucracy to do something sensible that actually does something to benefit society, like maybe childcare, prison service, admin in the courts of justice. As soon as you do that, you free up so many resources that the, the legal systems take the pressures off the legal system and you don't have to throw more funds at the legal system in order to keep it going. At the moment, the backlog on criminal cases, thanks to the Tories, because they reduced the, the funding on criminal mm. law, is, I think, over seven months. They're waiting wow. seven months for a criminal law case. So if you're a good criminal and you want to break the law, now's the time to do it because the police don't want to nick you because it takes too long for them to do the paperwork because there aren't enough resources for them to do it. And even if they do, you, you could have to be kept on remand for seven months, which they can't afford. So the whole system is in jeopardy. Mm. It's all in jeopardy. And guess who's responsible for it? buffoon boy johnson and the black shirts there's a lot of wasted money here isn't there oh million billion literally billions are disappearing evaporating <clears throat> the nhs they say the nhs the doctors haven't got enough time in the nhs so what they do is they have eight minutes per patient which means eight minutes per patient they say hello how are you interrupt you when you're talking after within 30 seconds apparently according to studies say what are your symptoms right with those symptoms you need this pill thank you very much off you go next Hmm. so you're taking pills that have side effects nobody discusses exercise nobody discusses well few some do but no most of them don't you need to discuss diet and exercise what's the underlying problem what's causing this don't just temper the symptoms because you'll be back in a couple of weeks with another eight minutes yeah. and then another two weeks you'll be back in another eight minutes and so that eight minutes just is a self-perpetuating problem what needs to happen is when you go to the doctor the doctor says hi i've only got eight minutes take these pills go and see this dietitian go and see this healthcare guy, this exercise guy, you know, lifestyle coach, and talk to him about exercise and what you're doing in your daily routine to keep yourself healthy and so we can we can do something about the problem. But they don't do that. That needs to be addressed. Then we don't need as many doctors because the doctors won't be wasting their time on repeat patients. 
Yeah, it's it may, but no one thinks about it in those um, those terms. Let's just bring it back to our original story then. So um, the cost of living is going up for all of us this year. Yes, yes, um, and we've got a worsening uh, of inflation. That's yes. gonna, they're saying is going to spiral out of control to to seven percent. Yes, um, there's going to be a lot of poor people in this country suddenly. Yeah, you know why, don't you? Why? We've, what? Because we have we have queues of lorries at Dover on both sides of the channel due to the bureaucracy, more bureaucracy created by Brexit. Thanks, Nigel Farage. Yeah. Thanks, buffoon boy Johnson and the black shirts. Brexit has created queues of lorries from to Dover across Kent and to Calais on the other side of the channel. That can these queues are so big they can be seen from the moon. That's how big the queues are, right? So, um, it seems the real problem difficulty is we've put sanctions up against ourselves. You know, when we have the, what the, what they're thinking of doing in Russia is they're thinking of putting sanctions, economic sanctions, up against the Russians because the economic sanctions will hurt the Russian economy. What Brexit did was put we put sanctions up our, <laughs> against ourselves which is exactly what we would do to another country if they were threatening us. So are you blaming so we, Brexit actually, on the rise oh, of our inflation? Of course. of course it is. Okay. Of course it is. I mean, yeah. it takes what used to take, it was a 24-hour turnaround with no bureaucracy at all, now takes days. Mm. takes literally days. They can't do it. People are going out of business. Mm. People can no longer perform the function that they used to. Material, building materials have rocketed in price. I think wood is now more than double what it used to be before Brexit. I mean, it, massive increases in price, delays, bureaucracy. People have to employ other people, more employees. Wage bills go up in companies to make them less competitive. They have to pass that cost on to somebody, and that's the consumer. You know, if you're, if you're a small company and you have to double your bureaucracy, you have to get someone in. The prices go up massively mm. in relation to in relation to your sales costs. I mean, it's just massively stupid. What we need to do is, I we, we need to do this, we need to enter the single market again, because if we don't, we're going to have problems. We, we've already got masses of problems with Northern Ireland. Half of the country is saying the reason for this, the reason for the, the border should be removed and that reason is because they can't there's a border in the north sea and if they don't have that if they don't have that border in the north sea they, they'll have to have a border across ireland if they have a border across ireland that threatens our negotiation our business deals with the united states of america united states of america provides 20 a fifth of our trade over a fifth of our trade is with world uh, international traders with the united states of america if we put a border across ireland that will be damaged and that'll that'll fall through the floor um, so we can't put a border across Ireland. So that means we have to put a border across the North Sea. If we put, if we continue with the border across the North Sea, that undermines Northern, the uh, Good Friday Agreement in order to keep the troubles at bay. And um, it also threatens the Irish economy. So therefore, because they are not able to freely trade with the UK as though they as, as they were before, and what we need to do at the very least is to rejoin the single market. Because we need to. Mm. I don't. I've, I've never advocated Brexit. Mm. I mean, I, a lot of people would turn around and criticise me for that. But I studied European law for a long period of time. I worked in Spain as a lawyer for six months. 
after I studied law in Spain, I mean, I've got another, I've got quite a broad perception of this. Mm. And so I know, I knew when I, every time Nigel Farage <laughs> opened his mouth and talked about uh, what the European Union did, I knew he was lying. It was really frustrating. And David Davis, when he was talking about what the European Union does, he was lying too. When Boris Johnson was talking about what the European Union does, he was clueless. Mm. None of them none of them make sense. None of them do. This it is was strange really but bizarre. This really is strange bizarre. but true radio. He's Phil Jones, I'm Phil Keeler. We're gonna be talking about our children's mental health next. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. JD Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. Touchdown. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics, streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented, unstoppable, unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com.
Now, you can get the latest breaking news to your phone via Twitter from us, at us, using our handle at StrangeBTR. Handle again, StrangeBTR. Type us into Twitter, you'll get the latest breaking news. Contact us uh, by email as well if you have uh, any views of the show or like to appear on the uh, on the podcast. Email is studio at strangebuttrueradio.com. Now then, social media is terrible for British school children's mental health. That's according to a report by children's mental health charity Place to Be, a national association of head teachers. Uh, they apparently found that pupils are experiencing anger, depression and low self-esteem due to online taunting, bullying and abuse. Um, it's something that I never experienced in my day at school because we didn't have social media. I don't think the internet even started until I was uh, maybe 16 or 17. Um, Phil, first of all then, do we think, uh, my question to you is, do, do we think that kids should be on social media in the first place? Um, no. I think we should get rid of it altogether. Oh, no, all no, you it. can't do that. <laughs> I do think we should have a, have an age limit. I think, <laughs> personally, I don't think kids should be on social media at all until they're, you know, 18. Maybe that's a bit late, but it would stop all this silliness, maybe. Well, we've got, we've elected, Bo- we've elected Boris Johnson, haven't we? That's, that's a consequence of social media. That's mm. how it affects people's minds. Mm. so much that we've managed to elect people like him. That's what gets me. But anyway, no, I'm going off on a tangent again. It's my four, um, it's my 42, 40, 42th birthday. 42th, do you say that? 42nd. No, second, 42nd, 42. <laughs> That's my 42th birthday, everybody. And even I, I, thank you, I get really kind of upset when when I get sworn out on social media and I'm not a kid. Well, I'm like a kid, but I'm not a kid. Well, I, I think we need, we need social interaction. I think it's very unnatural for us not to talk to each other because you can't bounce any ideas off anybody in particular because you don't know what the reactions are. Mm. You have to, you have to wait for a reaction. And also when you, when you, the art of conversation is something that you have to learn. You can't, it's just not, it, it's not an instinct. You have to learn it. You have to learn how to respond to phraseology. You have to learn to respond to eye contact, um, gesture, gesticulation. Um, and that's not a metaphor by the way. And all those other things that people give you when you talk to them, you know, facial expression, lifting the eyebrows, the, the eye pupils, whether they are dilated or small, makes a difference to the way you you receive information from somebody. That's giving you a message. Some people say ninety only ten percent of uh, communication is verbal. You have body other forms of body language. You know, all of those things. If you take them away and put someone in a room on their own, mm. then that it all becomes very unnatural becomes mm. very unnatural indeed and so when you actually people misread signs because they're not used to them so you go out and especially now i mean now people's faces are covered all the time so you can't actually see what anybody's what the expression on somebody's face is and 
if you walk along and people smile at you, that gives you pleasure because someone is smiling, right? I Something like people's faces that. covered. I don't like seeing ugly bastards in the street. Yeah, I know, I know, because you're a bit strange, so Phil, aren't you? Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. Sitting, sitting at home alone, well, <laughs> for long periods of time, not That's going right. out. Because right. you don't, because you don't want to. That's because you spent too much time on social media. Yeah, maybe, maybe because you're not used to it. I mean, people who don't have, who don't, in, some people don't dislike in social interaction. Some people, I mean, there's obviously a proportion of society who don't like to go out at all. But most people do. I mean, we are supposed to be uh, a race that needs social interaction in order to survive. So the more separated we are the less natural we become, the less natural we become, the more insane our behaviour becomes, mm. I think. I mm. mean, I just think, I think it creates a very odd mindset if you're not used to social interaction. I really yeah. do. And I suppose, um, well, we'll talk COVID more about at, at the end of our show. I suppose the li- things like COVID have been stopping kids from going out, so they've had to be more on social media to to contact their friends and then uh, I, I saw a report that they're feeling excluded because they're not on uh, group whatsapp groups anymore or they've been chucked out of things and um that the reality is that social media is a main part of uh, young people's lives it's a huge part of young people's lives but you see as i say you're not when I was a kid, they used to they used to say you've got to sit in and do your homework. Yeah, and the pub was a mile away across the fields because I lived way out. I lived quite far out in the countryside, and they used to say you've got a choice. So they were saying to me, you've got a choice: sit in when you're young, hate that, in a room on your own, or go run across the fields on a beautiful summer's day, <clears> and then go and sit in the pub and have a couple of pints with all your mates and have a good laugh. So is that Guess what you which did? One, yeah. Of course I did. And there were girls in the pub, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. There were no girls in my room. (laughs) Well, there were, there were, but that was another matter. So anyway, (laughs) what I'm trying to say is our instinct is to socially interact. We aren't, we're designed Mm. to socially interact. But now when I was a kid, it was a punishment. They'd say, go to your room and you go, oh no, I don't want to go to my room. So, well, they didn't ever do that to me. But anyway... If they, if lots of kids, as a punishment, if you did something wrong, you'd have to go and sit in your room. Yeah. Now, you tell kids you can't sit in your room, they go mad. Yeah, I want to sit Children, in my, I want to be on the exactly, Xbox, PlayStation. Exactly. I want to be sitting on my own in my room in a fantasy world on PlayStation or Xbox. Give, take, try, try taking a kid up, try, try taking a telephone off a kid now. Apparently, they have a tantrum. Yeah. To me, that's a sign of mental illness. Yeah. So what we're having is, so you're 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 living in a more and a more a more and more ethereal world. Yeah. I mean, when I was a lad, anybody could change the wheel of a car. Well, all my mates could anyway. We could all change the wheel of a car. I doubt that many people could do that now. I can't do that. I wouldn't want to get dirty. Wouldn't go, exactly. want to get my hands dirty. No, no, you would. No, you wouldn't want to get your hands dirty. No. We all used to have to roll around in the mud as part of our daily routine when we were kids. You know, none of this, none of this biological exclusion zone. Oh no, we're not going outside. No, I'm going back into my room. Yeah. You know, cotton world, cotton wool world. No, no, none of that. None of that. Because it didn't exist. If we wanted to talk to people, we had to go and meet them. You used to play with toilet rolls in your day, though, didn't you? What and, do you mean? And play bits with of wood. Bits of oh, sorry. Yeah, we used to. We could have Two hours. 
we could have hours of fun just by, you know, with a piece of old toilet roll and a squeezy bottle and some sticky back plastic. <laughs> we could, you know, that would be, we could be, you'd give us that. We were happy. We were happy. Uh, tell, kids, tell kids that nowadays and bah, they no. don't believe you, do they? No. You just <laughs> anyway, my point being <clears throat> that it, I, it's not healthy to sit in your room on your own. It's really not. No. Get out, yeah. get out there, go and meet your friends in the park. Get out there into the COVID world yeah. that we live in. No, Put your get mask out there. on, get, put no, your gas no mask on. Masks. You don't have to wear masks anymore. Have a jab every hour, vaccine no. every hour, you'll be fine. No, don't worry about it, no. <laughs> right, get this out, is... Never. <laughs> this is uh slowly disintegrating this conversation this is uh <laughs> well, who are we um this is news talk on strange but true radio he's phil jones i'm phil keeler we're going to be talking about russia and ukraine give you the latest updates next excited for a road trip started off right with auto coverage from american family insurance jd power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Peacock streaming the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock original Bel Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Damn! Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock, Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com.
Now then, Russia's planning a fake attack to justify the invasion of Ukraine. That's according to US intelligence, who have uncovered the findings, according to our foreign secretary and uh, cheese specialist, Liz Truss. Because Liz Truss, all she goes on about is cheese this and cheese that. Um, She likes blue cheese. I think she likes cheddar, but I I think she likes the smelliest cheese uh, ever that's going because she's um, she's a cheese specialist. Anyway, the US understands Russia was going to use actors and even corpses to create a propaganda video. Um, Phil, are you surprised? Are you surprised to hear this uh, news coming out of Russia that they were planning a, a fake attack? I don't believe Russia were. I think that was complete hype by the United States of America. Other things that the United States have said that they're preparing for an invasion and they're bringing blood supplies closer to the border, which means they're expecting to invade, mm. um, weren't simply weren't true. Now, we uh, try and be impartial on this show, and I suppose we should be on the side of the West being that we are British, but I, I do some, I, I do feel sorry for for Russia at times because we we see them as these bad dogs, the, the aggressors, but actually we are just as bad, aren't we? Because the the US are actually no stranger to false flags uh, like this. Um, there was a, an operation called Operation Northwards, wasn't there? There was in 1962 um, where they were going to attack. Um, there was going to be, hold on, they were going to make, they were going to create terrorist attacks in the United States 
and they were going against Cuban US citizens and they were going to be created by the Americans themselves mm. for, to give them a reason to attack Cuba. So, so but, but J, John F. Kennedy said no. John F. Kennedy said no to the proposal. Mm. And John F. Kennedy was shot, murdered yeah. by the United States. So we think we think by the oil oligarchs, but there you go. Oh, okay. Wow. So I I'm not surprised that you know that there's this fake attack um, story in our press about Russia, but it is just to note that you know we are just as bad, and it it, it is we're, we're trying. Everyone's trying to be get the upper hand here. It's all media hype. We're being we're being kind of how do i say it to me it's like this we're being sold down the river mm. you know we're they're just saying to us what things in order to create a, a, a consensus of opinion which isn't necessarily true but it's entirely based on the political ideology that they want to convince us of and they're saying they're making russia out to be the bad people yeah when R russia aren't necessarily being the bad people in this case uh, Russia do not want NATO to build up uh, forces close to their borders, and that's what they're complaining about. That's why they've amassed 100,000 troops, we are told, on the borders of Ukraine. Um, they're not necessarily wanting to invade Ukraine at this moment, as far as we know. Yeah. Um, they, want, they just want us to have, put some uh, concessions in place to ensure that NATO don't start threatening their borders. That's what they're saying. And if the Americans are coming up with ludicrous accusations against the Russians, which is quite normal, I suppose, then they'll then then they they're within their rights to stand up and say, "Well, we don't want anybody to build up uh, troops on our on our on our borders because they feel threatened by us as much as we feel threatened by them." In fact, more so because the American army is a lot bigger. The foreign minister you know. in Russia said something very kind to Liz Truss uh, this week, didn't she? Didn't he? Um, he did. And bless her, we're all glad that she's out there talking to them because at least she's not here. be nicer if she went... Oh, she's going to Australia. She went to Australia recently, didn't she? On a private jet that cost £500,000 <laughs> to go to... five. That's half a million quid. And she said it was needed in case she was called elsewhere i mean she must be some what would you call it some kind of narcissist she must be but when um hold on let me see if i can find it uh yeah she he said um uh, what's his name uh the russian Sergei... lavanov lavanov that's it yeah so yeah lavanov he said um list but liz trust was standing very close to him at, at a podium or whatever you call him, a lectern. And um, he described that discussion in terms that were far from diplomatic. He said it was like a conversation with a deaf person mm. who is here but doesn't hear. <laughs> Great. And she, we've sent her over to negotiate. She's so wooden. She probably just sat, stood there. And he was, he was just trying to have a chat with her, but he can't do that for obvious reason. And um, it got worse, apparently, when Liz Truss insisted the UK is resolute in pursuing a diplomatic path mm. to avert a war with the Ukraine. And, some th and something Boris Johnson is very much behind. There was a long, drawn-out sign from um, 
Mr. Lavanoff. <laughs> He's actually been in power in his uh, job for about 20 years plus, hasn't he? Since 2012, yeah. Mm. And she's been in power. She's had her uh, position as foreign secretary for five months. I think we should just send her to talk. Well, I think we should just send her around Cheddar Gorge. Just, I think we should just give her a little cottage near the Cheddar Gorge so she could be near cheese production. I think yeah, that's, I think she'd like that. Talk. Yeah, I think that's all she's good for. We, I don't know what she's doing in the position she's in. I mean, half a million quid for a one plane ride in these t- in these days when everybody else is <clears throat> they're taking the twenty pounds away from people. You know that that twenty pounds that the poorest were getting during um, during the pandemic just to help them pay the electricity and gas bill. That's been taken away. So we could, you know, I mean, surely half a million could help many many people. Can I ask that's you about a lot this? Of money. Right, so. Um, the French and the Germans are are doing a lot of roundtable talks with Russia at the moment, and they are actually leading these conversations. Um, maybe if this happened five years earlier, I would like to put to you that it would have been Britain leading these conversations. But because we're out of Europe, cool. Um, it's yeah. it's over to the French and the Germans, and we are now this little island nation and our power seems to have gone exactly we're a toothless lion you know we are now representing 60 million people we're being instead of being part of a club of 500 million 500 million we were a powerful member of the eu and now we're just an island off the coast of the biggest trading market in the world mm. and that biggest trading market in the world have good relations want to maintain good relations with russia because we buy they buy 30 percent of their gas from russia yeah. russia wants to retain that agreement because obviously they make a profit out of it and that's good for their economy so they don't want to lose that arrangement either because it's bad for both parties if it goes wrong. So they're in a much, much stronger, infinitely stronger position than we are in relation to negotiation of these terms. And why would he want to listen to Liz Truss anyway? Because we don't have that. We don't have as much, nearly, anywhere near as much trade with Russia as the rest of Europe does. So, you know, to, we're just like a toothless old lion mm. sitting down there. With, with, and, the, and the bite, uh, we've, lo- we've, lost our, we've lost our strength. And that's down to Brexit. That's down to Buffoon Boy Johnson and the Black Shirts, along with Nigel Farage Sad and times. Cameron, of course. Sad it's times. bad. It's yeah. worse than people realise. I, I saw very, very bad. Going, talking about Boris Johnson very briefly, I saw a report in the news, um, and it said that his Conservative Party, his some of his top MPs, are saying, if if you're found that you know that the Met Police found that you're at these parties and everything, do not cling to power. They've said that to him. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he's, uh, Tony, I think Tony Blair said he'd leave if he was under he, if he was under investigation. He would resign. Yeah. I mean, they're saying Nick uh, Cressida Dix just resigned because uh, she's, the mayor she's the said, um, the chief the of the Met Public, Police. Yeah. Yeah. She. Yeah. The the chief of the Met Police has resigned because she said the British public have lost confidence in her. So mm. she's resigned. So why hasn't Buffoon Boy Johnson resigned? Mm. Because everyone's lost confidence in him, including people overseas. The Spanish all know about it. The Americans all know about it. Everybody around the world knows that that they were having parties after they told everybody not to have parties. They all know the fact that the Queen's husband's funeral was the follow was on the day after one of these parties where she wasn't allowed to have people mourning. They all know that 
they all know that Boris Buffy and Boy Johnson had to apologise to the Queen mm. for his behaviour. I think that was one so, of the saddest pictures to come out of COVID, actually, to see the Queen uh, on her own in at that church service, sat on her it own. Is, it, it is very sad. It's very sad. Mm. He should resign. There's no, there's no two ways about it. I mean, even John Majors said that he, we can't have a prime minister who who behaves in the way that uh, Johnson does. But there is something more to to get back onto this. Um, the British a British uh, general said this morning on Radio Four that um, in order to ensure a third world war, we should keep we should um, allow British troops to fight against the Russians. I mean, pe- this is a frightening situation. If Russians invade Ukraine, which I don't think they're going to do, or hopefully they won't, then it could cause huge problems. And the general said, if we want to ensure World War Three, we'll have British troops fighting in the Ukraine. However, he said, we're withdrawing all our troops from the Ukraine. Mm. Ukraine is not part of NATO, so we won't get involved physically. We've given support and training to um, Ukrainian army, we've given them something like 2,000 handheld anti-tank weapons, which are pretty amazing. Um, and so, But doesn't the fact that we've helped Ukraine so much to give them weapons, doesn't that actually make us part of it? This is something I was trying to work out this morning, but generally speaking, if you supply arms, it does. you are part of it, but you're not involved in the war itself. Because mm. you're not using them, you've just supplied them. Although that's an irony, because say, for example, we're supplying arms to Saudi Arabia, we're training pilots and, and um, soldiers, the army in Saudi Arabia, so that they can attack uh, Syria. But we make a lot of money out of that. Then the Syrian refugee, the, then obviously war creates refugees. The Syrian refugees have to go across Europe to get to the UK and and go into live in Europe because they're in fear of their lives. Yeah. And who's fueling the war? Well, the yeah. British. Yeah. And then we're complaining about refugees. Well, we create the refugees, which <laughs> is kind of ironic. We're yeah. creating the problem ourselves. And they're saying, oh, they're coming here. Yeah, of course they are. But nobody talks we, we're about. We're causing the problem. No, but oh, you no. see the other again. This is all. War is absolutely pointless. I mean, we're, they're saying, "Oh, we make billions of pounds out of selling arms around the world." Well, if they if the arms are used to just to, for defence, that's fine. But as soon as they're actually used in war, then it's a massive problem. But they are, and they are used in war. And I can't. I don't understand why there's a war in Syria. I've got no idea. I've yeah. got absolutely no clue. I'd have to research it. I know there's a war in Syria. I know that fantastic history is being, fantastic um, architecture is being destroyed, which is, you know, a thousand, a couple of thousand years old, a lot of it. And and why? Why are, pe- why are people's lives destroyed just so that we can make a few bucks? I mean, money only has value if, it, if you do good with it. If you're doing, if you have, if, you, if your life is spent supplying arms so that people people can be killed. What's the point of your life? Exactly. This is News Talk on Strange But True Radio. He's Phil Jones. I'm Phil Keeler. We're going to talk about my experience with COVID-19 next. Hey, Ray Maliazzi here. I don't know about you, but my car could use a few upgrades. I mean, the 8-inch tear in the driver's seat does have sentimental value since my butt has molded to fit it, but I'm ready to move on. My solution? eBay Motors. They've got all the right parts at the right prices. 122 million of them, from seat covers to whole new seats. When I get that new seat, I think I'll put the old one in the living room, right next to the minivan seats. 
or as we call it, the sectional. eBay Motors. Let's ride. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
just been looking on our website, strangebuttrueradio.com, and I've seen a great deal for you, dear listener. Currently, on our website, you can get three months of Audible for 99p. Now, Audible is a great service. You basically, if you can't be, can't be bothered, I nearly said another word then, if you can't be bothered to read, you can listen to your books. Um, and uh, currently, they've got the latest, one of the latest books that I'd like to read, I think it's just been in the mo- in the movies, and it's a, it's a re-release of an old one. June, they've got June uh, on there by Frank Herbert. Phil, have you have you uh, what, you must have watched June before? No, no, you're not into the that. original. The original film was really boring. Apparently, it was, was terrible. It? Oh. The new one I haven't got around to watching yet, which I will watch because apparently it's very good and it's a very interesting concept. But I don't know what the concept is. Okay. Do you know what the concept is? I've no idea. I know my dad used to be a fan of June and um, would go on about it, but I've never watched it or listened to it. So I might subscribe to Audible for 99p for three I months. Said, I've listened to some books on Audible. Very interesting. They're Very good. good. They're good. Fantastic, okay. yeah. Go to our website, strangebuttrueradio.com and uh, click the link on the left-hand side of the page. Right then, I have COVID-19. It's something I've been concerned about getting for the last couple of years, um, and I finally have it. But it hasn't been as bad as I thought. I'm still here, uh, being looked after by my partner, Tom, uh, who's actually also got it, so we've been looking after each other, really. And uh, we're still being jumped on uh, each morning by our dog. Life has continued. Um, Phil, out of all the people... To get this virus, I'm really annoyed that it's evaded my 20-second hand-washing uh, regime every day, every few minutes. How, how do you think I got it? I have no idea. It probably just travelled in the air and you got it like you would any flu epidemic. I mean, you might have got it from the supermarket or anywhere, Phil. I mean, where do you get flu from? It's exactly the same. COVID is a flu, a form of flu. Yeah. It? Yeah. Well, it, yeah. So, I mean, some would say that that is true. And it certainly has been like flu uh, for me. I, I was a bit concerned um, because I've got, uh, I've currently got a DVT because I dislocated my knee and night and then I've got a pulmonary aneurysm in my, in my lung. So I was uh, a bit concerned that that was going to be quite critical for me but I've actually apart from losing my voice and having a sore throat where I couldn't really speak for a, about four days it has been all right good so how are you so you're you're feeling a lot better you did you feel how was it I mean what were the symptoms was it like flu I yeah. mean, was, did you yeah, I guess it own? was. I guess it was. I mean, I have the flu jab each year and I've had my three jabs of uh, COVID uh, vaccine. Um, but yeah, I had a sore throat, uh, streaming nose, a, a, a cough. Uh, actually, the cough was really quite bad because that was, I could feel my upper body hurting uh, because of the cough. That It was a cough like I've never had before. Um I definitely wouldn't have wanted my older parents to get this virus, um, but because you're concerned about underlying underlying symptoms, aren't you? Because you're saying that if you get this, then it becomes dangerous. Yeah. If you, would you say that if you didn't have underlying symptoms, um, such as you do, 
yourself because you yeah. have health health difficulties yeah. on occasion well i mean um, then, if you didn't have underlying symptoms you're probably going to be okay but saying that there have been reports in the news that people with no no underlying symptoms have have become very very ill um so it's it's a bit of a luck of a draw but the vast majority of people have been all right and you're so yeah i mean the vast majority if, if you actually get the new variant you're far less likely to die from it, aren't you? Than um, you would otherwise. I think Omicron, they're saying, is a, a lesser strain because this virus actually doesn't really want to kill people. It wants to um, sort of continue, doesn't it? Yeah, because if, if, if a virus kills its host, then it no longer has a host and it's killing itself. A bit like, a bit like Brexit not looking after yourself, shooting yourself in the foot, why would you want to do that? You, it's only a form of self-harm. So you want to keep your host alive so that you can go back and stay alive living in that person. Mm. That's what you want to do yeah. as a virus. So the natural cycle would be exactly the same as, as all viruses, apparently. They peak, and when they peak and they start killing their host, then they go into decline, and they realise that this is not a good idea. So they, that, so the... Uh, virus becomes less uh what's the word less dangerous to people so this is the mad thing um phil this is the mad thing about this right so the government say after 10 days you don't have to self-isolate however if you test on your fifth day of having the virus and you're then negative for the lateral flow Mm -hmm. and the the sixth day and you're negative then you can leave early however Mm -hmm. I'm still COVID positive after the seventh day, I think now. Um, So I still have to stay in until those 10 days are up. And if I'm COVID positive on the lateral flow after the 10 days, I can actually still go out into the community. I find that a bit mad. I think it's probably because this is just now it's COVID-19 has turned into a strong flu. Yeah, a, a strong flu. But what is equally bizarre is they're telling you to test every day, aren't they? Uh, after the fifth day, and if you get two negatives, then you can go out into the community. And do early. you pay for those? Do you pay for those tests? No, no, we just got them from the chemist. From the national, so the chemist, someone's paying for them, aren't they? Well, we are, I guess. Somehow yeah, we are. So taxes if it's, if, if um if you own shares in a test company, that's good for you, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, by the way. So the more tests, well, if you're an MP and you own shares in a testing company, that's good for you. So you make more make money every time we test. So but it does make me laugh. You want people to test. When I open the box, it's got a test certificate. Guess where it's come from? China. China. They've stamped it to say this is this has been quality tested. Brilliant. Absolute genius. So someone's importing those tests from China. Who made the virus, gave it to us. Made made the virus. Chinese are making money. And then the people who are distributing the tests are making money. So if you own own shares in one of those companies and you're the person who provides those contracts to import those tests, then you're making money. Guess, I bet, I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, politicians are involved in the provision of those contracts to provide testing services to the NHS. Yeah, yeah. and Which means, so now we've got a strong flu, which is not likely to give you a case. Apparently, the number of cases in the UK were something like 8.3 million. Yeah. 
and we had 159,000 deaths. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we have 159,000 deaths as when we've had 8.3 million cases. So the chances of you dying are very low. Then there's, there's government statistics, which I haven't found yet, and I have looked for them. People told me that the government statistics say 17,000 people died from COVID without underlying symptoms. Mm-hmm. Everybody else who died from COVID had another illness or other underlying symptoms. The 17,000 who died from COVID without underlying symptoms had an average age of 82. Right. So, basically, if that's true, something is seriously amiss. And something which is equally weird is there are a number, which I've been looking for, I haven't found them yet, but there are a number of deaths. So, normally, in the period of time since um, COVID began, we'd have normally about 800,000 deaths. That's normal. Yeah. We have about 30,000 deaths a month in England. We have 1,000 deaths a day, basically, more or less, a bit more probably. Yeah. So if you said from the beginning of the pandemic we had deaths of about 800,000, that wouldn't be far out. Yeah. Now, if you think about all of the de- if you think about there's only 17,000 deaths without underlying symptoms, that means you've got deaths with underlying symptoms of 142,000. Yeah. Okay. So 142,000 people have died of, they say, of COVID, but they already had another illness. Yeah. So what is the truth in this? Uh, It's very difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult to say, yeah. So they're saying a quarter of the death, less than a quarter of the deaths since the pandemic began were of COVID, but all of those deaths that are purported to be from COVID were a result of another disease and COVID. Plus together plus covid is a form of flu and guess what in the winter of 2020 there were not there wasn't one death from flu when there normally is because suddenly flu had disappeared and so the immediate the immediate response to that was well of course nobody got flu because we're all wearing masks well if that were the case we wouldn't get covid either would we that's because true because covid is we're a wearing flu. masks because we're all wearing masks, but so COVID, but COVID is a form of flu. Mm. So what, how much of the, what I'm asking a question, I'm not making a statement. People are going to turn around and go and saying, Oh, he's saying that COVID's alive. What I'm saying is there's too many unanswered questions, mm. way too many. And then that well, there was another, there was another thing that they said that in India, they managed to curb the right in one region of India. They managed to curb the rise of COVID completely. Right. They turned it around, and uh, Biden went to India to discuss this matter, and it was decided that they wouldn't share that information. <laughs> Why wouldn't you share? Where the did you hear that from? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I've heard it on. No, this is where this is where it gets a bit dodgy because a lot of people will say this is dodgy. Joe Rogan. Oh, I don't like him. He 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 was interviewed. He He's was always been one of these people that doesn't believe yeah, but COVID. I quite though. like it. No, but I don't care. He said the the guy he interviewed is the guy who is who was involved in the development of the COVID vaccines. I'm not telling you the. I'm not telling you half of what he said. No. I mean, if if I went into what was said in that interview, people would be up in arms. I mean, I, for me, I found it fascinating. 
I tend to believe those things. A lot of people would say I'm a fool for doing for saying that, but fair enough. But I I I, I think there's I I think there's something seriously amiss. Okay. There's something we're not being told. If we consider the statistics, they say 159,000 have died in England as a consequence of COVID. When when practically all of them had underlying symptoms from other diseases there's suddenly there's no flu that's all gone people you know somebody who had a brain hemorrhage was said to have died from covid somebody who had car accident is said to have died from covid something is amiss that's the other side of the argument i'm not sure whether i like jay rogan uh have heard of him it just comes across as a bit a bit of a smart aleck really but um i know i know he's got lots of fans check that interview out if you can find it be interesting to to get your views on that all right that's it for this edition of strange but true radio news talk for a mixed up generation with philip jones and myself philip keeler join us each and every saturday evening for a new podcast to download on trending news stories of the week we're available to download from around 20 hundred hours british time take care of yourselves see you next week We are not responsible for your behaviour. We believe in common sense. If Cressida Dick has to resign because the British public have lost confidence in her, surely buffoon boy Johnson must follow suit. Well, if you want your news, that's strange but true. Look, they're all right, aren't they? Really? Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Underwear is the second, shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first. Made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too. All designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas. Comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com comfy. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
Speaking it with Kiki, full of personalities. Switching up the storyline on God, we making history. Writing books, changing lives, one day at a time. Put your problems to the side. Enjoy yourself. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of Kicking It with Kiki, life, love, and all that other shit. I am your girl, author Kiki Chanel. When I'm not writing, I am a certified life coach as well as a podcast host. Uh, I decided to turn my blog into a podcast this year just to go deeper in conversations and things like that. I love to talk to people of all walks of life. I love to pour into people. And this is what we're doing. We're kicking it with Kiki. Tonight, I am joined with the cast of Soul Sisters. Hello, ladies. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Kicking It With Kiki. Thank you for stopping by and kicking it with me today. Hello. Yes, hi. Hello. Okay, so let's get into it. Tell me a little bit about the show. What's going on? How did it come about? I guess, Trisha, we'll start with you since you're the creator and the producer of the show. Hey, everyone. So my name is Trisha Marie. I am a certified life coach as well. So hey, girl, hey. Hey. Um, Also the creator and executive producer of the reality show, Soul Sisters, which I'm really, really excited about because um, to answer your question, Kiki, it started really based off my own healing. I went through depression. I went through postpartum depression. And I know you're a mom, so you may may or not be able to relate on that. And Mm -hmm. um, everything just hit me all at once. It was like just depression smacked me in the face in every angle. And that darkness area that I went through was like a a dark time. It was like three three years, I want to say, I was in that dark place. And when I finally did get myself out of that dark place, I told myself I was going to make my pain my purpose. And, you know, I was going to help other people that were going through depression, especially women, but in general, everybody, whether you were a male, female, kids, anybody that needed that guidance, the guidance that I wish I had when I was going through my depression. So I became a certified life coach mm-hmm. in that process. Um, after, well, Actually, after I became a certified life coach, my sissy, who I've kind of been, you know, I always shared my my spiritual journey with her and my gems. So she kind of mm-hmm. watched my my glow up. I would like to say she watched oh, my I like glow it. Up from mm-hmm. from when I first started. Well, not when I first started, but in the midst of my spiritual journey, and she just watched me manifest. And you know, she believed in everything because she saw it with her own eyes. So my sissy Sabrina reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you know, I really want to meditate, and I feel like you're the right person to help me with it. And I want to bring some ladies aboard. Would you be open to host it?" So I was like, "Sure, let's do it." And I started to do a Zoom Monday through Friday, which I still do if anyone is interested, virtually at 8 a.m. And, you know, it just became a word of mouth where women just kept joining and Mm -hmm. word of mouth, friends of a friend kept coming. So we had over 30 something women there and it became a, a safe spot for us to really talk about what we were going through, talk about our journey through meditation, just really become sisters. Right. So. From that moment, I had the brilliant idea where I was like, hmm, I should host an, an annual retreat for just women, right? Mm-hmm. So I decided to um, invite 12 of the women because I couldn't invite all of the women. Just right, right. Too much. So <laughs> I, I was like, let me invite 12 of the women. And I picked them specifically based off of the energy. I'm an empath. So I feel energy. And I really 
to them. Yes. And I was just like, you know what? Their stories resonated with me. I just love how they were vulnerable, transparent, but also receptive. You know, because to heal, you have to be ready to heal. You have to do the work. I can tell you what you need to do all day long, but if you're Absolutely. not ready to do it, it's not going to be effective. So mm -hmm. their stories really inspired me. And I'm like, you know, I really want to invite these women. I feel like they would get the most out of this. So I extended the invite, but I did not tell them, Kiki, that I was doing a reality show. Oh, wow. Tell them until we got to the house and, uh -huh. um, it was a little surprise, you know, I also did give them, I gave them the option to be on camera or if they didn't want to be on camera, you know, respecting their privacy, but I was blessed to have all of them agree to be on camera to share the story because they knew that my intention with this show is really to bring the reality back to reality TV, to inspire somebody, even if it was one person watching the show to, to do some inner work or see one of their stories and be like, wow, I can relate to Kwame. I can relate to Sabrina and really, you know, help other people on their journey. And it was really important for, to have women on the show that were ready to, to do that, be brave enough to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna tell my story. I'm gonna make my pain, my purpose, and I'm gonna help someone else on the journey. So they all agreed. And that's how Soul Sisters just began. And it's, it's, it's been a beautiful movement. We're currently gonna be filming for season two in April. So if okay. anybody you know is interested in being a Soul Sister, definitely hit me up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Kiki, that's really the foundation and how it started. It's really a sisterhood um, of everyday women, all different mm -hmm. shades sizes, colors of just coming to a house to show that we can come together. We don't have to compete. We can come together and really be there for each other and really heal. And, you know, hearing their stories help everyone around us heal. So absolutely. listen, I love that. I love that. It's all about me, you know, as a life coach, I love personal growth. So just hearing you about the healing, because we all need that at some point, because, you know, life, life is hard. Life hits us hard and so I would like to uh you know just get some feedback from some of the ladies that that were a part of this series how did being a part of the series help you in in your life um I would say for me it helped me a lot because first of all I want to thank Trishy because she helped me get out a very 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 dark place I was suffering from anxiety and depression I went through a hard time with my um daughter's father um just typical thinking that you know you're gonna make it work once you have a kid by them and things are gonna be perfect and we're gonna make this thing work and it didn't work out um I had to walk away mm -hmm. um but it took me a long time because growing up I didn't have that mother and father so I said okay when I have my daughter I want to make sure that she has both parents right but sticking you know trying to stick things out trying to figure things out trying to make it work it didn't work for me because it was mentally draining me and I was just like having all these like thoughts going through my head I kept going in and out the hospital mm -hmm. they never like kept me you know in the ward or nothing like that but it was like keep going through anxiety and then like Miss Robinson you keep coming back mm -hmm. what do you want us to do and you know went to psychiatrist went to go see the therapist okay like put her on some put her on some medicine and it took me a while to even get on it because I'm just like, I'm not really a medicine type of girl. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to fix this thing out without the meds. I get but it, it was really, really bad for me. I'm just like, 
I keep having these heart complications, thinking I fall, I fall on my heart's about to come out my chest. I'm like, what is going on? My sister know they like, but nay, what is wrong with you? Because I'm like the turn of queen. So them seeing me like that, they would just right. like something ain't something right. Wrong. She mm-hmm. gotta get it together. And I finally, finally took the medicine and I gave it a try. And once you know, I started doing the meditation with Trishy. And we went and I, we went to the house and stuff like that. And when I came back um, after the retreat and, you know, just going through our spiritual healing and just releasing everything that I was going through, when I got back, I took myself off the medicine. Absolutely. Because I felt as though I didn't need it. Because yes. I'm like, I'm not going to, this is not, I'm going to run to this all the time. I feel like I'm going through something. I'm going to do what Trishy told us to do. You know, breathe in and inhale, exhale, go through your meditation, whatever works for you, works for you. Right. And I felt as though that the medication is not going to be my life. Mm-hmm. And I took myself off the doctor. No, of course, wasn't happy. Like, oh, you can't do that. You're going to have withdrawals. I'm like, listen, whatever, I'll deal with it. But I didn't have anything. So I would say this whole spiritual journey and this me being on the reality show, with my soul sisters was an amazing experience for me. And to this day, I am in a better place. I'm not with her father. I am happy. I am <laughs> living this single life with my daughter. And I am happy that I got my ass up out of here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you decided to take that step because that is the first thing when it comes to healing. You have to want to do it. That's no right. One, no one can make you do it but yourself. So that's you've right. been you being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm so happy that you did because you look beautiful. That smile Thank is infectious. You. So I'm so excited Thank about you. that. Okay, what about Brina? Let's talk to you a little bit, girl. <laughs> How well, has being a part of this journey changed your life? You know, affected you in in some way? Well, of course, you know, like Trish said, I reached out to her because um, she introduced me to meditation. She always spoke to me about um, just about spiritual awakening and stuff like that, like Mm -hmm. that she was already thinking about it ahead of time before I came back to Jersey. And when she finally got her certified, um, her certification in, in being a life coach, I was just like, oh, shoot. Okay. So once I was ready to even enter into that area. Growing up, I had the background of being a Christian, God-fearing woman, all that good stuff. Parents are from Liberia, West Africa. And um, I needed an elevation, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like I needed something uh, bigger and better. And I mm-hmm. have to say that the things of God ain't better, but I didn't see different results, if that makes sense. And because she introduced me to guided meditation, I, you know, I was like, listen, I got some women I want to see if they're interested in, if you can help us, you know, do this. And so um, it changed my life mentally, physically, emotionally, and financially, honestly. And I still do it with her every day, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time via Zoom. And um, I don't know what I'll do without it. You know what I mean? It, it has my connection with the Lord a little different, more different now, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like I take so. things because I feel like, I'm making sure that like I pray and, and seal it with the word. Like I'm doing things a, a lot more different than before. I was more hostile. intentional. Yes. More intentional, more intentional. Um, I was hostile. I was feisty. I was wanted to fight. I was mm-hmm. drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I had toxic ways and I know I, I can identify that I had toxic ways. I had a guy I was dealing with for years and, um, 
we're still cool, but you know, I, I love him from a distance, if that makes sense. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, you know, take on his problems too much, but I know he needs healing. So I pray for him and that's all mm-hmm. I can do. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I'm just blessed because Trish came into my life on a different level when it came to that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then to, to meet all the women that's, that, that came out with their stories and just to hear what they were going through. And, um, you know, Kwa will tell you a little bit more, but of course, and you guys will see a lot more on February 10th too. Um, when you guys watch the, um, exclusive live, cause we're going to watch it with you guys. So I can only imagine what short shot has put together. Her husband, Latizay is the best. And, um, okay. Trisha is too, of course. And at the end of the day, they change. I'm, I'm her number one testimony and I'm gonna keep saying that to each his own, but I can say that she just, it just changed my life. The, the retreat, I, I know I needed healing and I got what I needed. You know what I mean? And I still, it's a, it's a lifestyle journey. Like my sis Kwa would say, it's not a nine to five. So you got to open your mind, look in the mirror, identify that you do need the help. Um, and I don't mind being transparent about saying the word toxic, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. So each and every one of us may, may uh, explain it probably different about being toxic, but mm-hmm. I know for a fact, I was definitely toxic. So, and I'm See? released from that. <laughs> Listen, ad- admission is the, the, what, the first step to recovery. It's like, mm-hmm. you have to admit that there is a problem in order to fix the problem. Because yeah. we can we sweep stuff under the rug all the time. So I am so excited to see this 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 series. Like I'm so excited. I get I excited too. because of you and Benet. Like y'all, the way y'all talk about it, the experience, yeah. it gives me goose, it gives me goosebumps because I can see it on your face. And yeah. so not everybody can talk about different experiences and come to the healing and and actually embrace that, embrace the the brokenness, the you know, you have yeah. to. You have to embrace those things in order to heal. So I am so proud. Thank you. I don't know you guys, but I'm so proud of you guys for doing the work, wanting to be better, wanting to heal, going through this journey. And so, yeah. Kamiya, did I say your name <laughs> right, girl? Yeah, you, 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 Udia, you, Udia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got to turn the corner some teeny bit more. I'm going to turn a little um, bit. Just a little bit. Um, so with my experience um, in regards to what made me end up doing and beginning the healing journey is because I still, I had a blockage, um, something that was blocking me and um, so many people, some people do, some people don't. I am I'm a 15, over 15 year domestic, survive, domestic violence survivor. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, in regards to that, people always kept telling me, well, girl, it's been over 15 years that man moved on with his life. You doing so many things. You doing what you got to do to be a great mother, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that those things was true. But at the same time, within me, it still was a blockage. I was I was surviving, but not living. Mm. I was carrying so much unforgiveness, hatred, pain, hurt, anger. I could have just, if I seen them, I could have basically did whatever I wanted, probably wanted to do when I cared. But the thing is, like I always even say that, so the hatred I had in me, if I really was a loose goose, I could have been doing some crazy stuff out here in the streets. That's how hurt I was. But knowing the fact that I still kept my faith and kept my sanity. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, I knew that there was still something was holding me down, holding me back. And again, I was not living. I was just only surviving. And so I knew I had to end up basically 
getting the finally getting the chains around from my ankles. So what happened was I knew I needed a change. I was praying. Um, and I say, listen, if you're real, as I know you are, you're going to put somebody, you, you send it somebody, if you got to work with somebody to send somebody to me, which right. that happening. So I was on one of my girl, um, one of my soul sisters live and she mentioned Trishy. from that point. I didn't want to hear nothing else. Give me her name, pin it right here in the comments. And from there, once she did it, I was off that live, went straight into her DMs and that was a wrap from there. Um, and and I knew from that point, I'm like, he's a, he's showing up and he, the universe is showing up and showing out. And I finally was able to even just to spec on the, um, the via Zoom meditation. Mm -hmm. And the, I felt there. And when she personally came to us and selected us individually and told us that she wanted us to come to this retreat, that was a no brainer. So I'm like, if I'm getting what I'm getting here, I can just imagine what I'm going to get coming in the house. And I'm about to be a full-fledged, skin-to-skin, body-to-body with this woman. And she's yeah. about, to, about to do. And knowing the fact she do what she do right here on the Zoom, mm -hmm. oh, it's, I'm about to finally be free. And I remember saying this in one of my first interviews, free at last, free at last, I'm finally about to be free. And because that's exactly how I felt. Because yeah. I felt and if you ever, if any, any swimmers, if you go underneath water, you hold your breath and then you finally release your, actually take a, a exhale and breathe out your mouth. I still was holding my breath that whole time. That's how the, I was literally, literally walking around life. Like if I was literally underwater. Mm -hmm. So I finally end up basically, um, finally getting free, truly know what forgiveness was. Um, release the hatred, release the anger, release the pain. And I had to do that because my abuser was my son, it was my son father. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to take that animosity, anger, hurt, pain, and all that stuff into our, me and his relationship. Right. Because people say he looked like me, but if you see his father, he looked like both of us. So it would be easy. And I've seen this happen before for a mother to be like, just to take the anger out on their child because they resemble their father. Yep. And that's what I did not want to do because at the end of the day, I had that boy for me. Right. I wanted him to be here. I planned for him to be here. So I wanted to make sure I be the best of myself because he ain't asked to be here. I brought him into this world. So right. I had to make that I didn't have any of that resentment or that anger of pain on him and that we continue to align and elevate to the best relationship that we have to this day. Right. Oh my God. See, see y'all, I'm listening. Look, all y'all faces doing the same stuff. Like, oh my God, this is, oh, wow. And I, and just listening to you talking about you had to become free. And I, I know that it happened. Like mm -hmm. it's all over you that it, that it actually happened. So I am, I am thankful that, 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 you know, I see ladies that look like me from all walks of life who have gone through some of the things that I've gone through because I social, suffer from depression and anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard when you're going through that and nobody un understands or they just say, oh, you'll be all right. Sit down somewhere. You know, as a, as a teenager, it, it was always, oh, ain't nothing wrong with you. You just need to go take a nap. Just go, go read a book or do something. Mm -hmm. And then it stays with you because you feel like, wow, no one listens to me. No one is trying to understand where I'm coming from. 
the fact that Trishy is one of those people that was an outlet for you guys to open yourselves up, find that problem, confront that problem, and then release that problem, man, that, that is awesome. So what do you think viewers will gain by watching Soul Sisters? I'm hoping that they gain some healing of their own. That's really what I did this for. I feel like each and every one of us, no matter your circumstances, financial situation, everyone is dealing with something and everything is rooted from our childhood, right? Mm-hmm. And we bring that into our adult years. And I know in our community, in the black and brown community, we don't, like you said, we don't speak about this. I remember mm-hmm. when I was going through my postpartum and, you know, I love my parents, but I remember telling my parents, like I have a supportive husband and I have my kids, but I had just moved from New Jersey to Atlanta. So I didn't have my family. I didn't have my friends. And I remember it can make me teary. I just thinking about it, but um, I really remember telling my mom, like, wow, like I need my family. I need somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't want to get emotional, but. I mean, it's very emotional and you're being very <laughs> transparent. And I pray that whoever is listening who may be going through the same thing can be healed from your story. So take your time. Right. You know, you're in a safe space. So yeah. Right. Um, and I just remember being in such a dark place and just telling them that I needed them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take it as serious as, you know, they, they, they exactly what you said, you, you know, maybe you just need to rest. Maybe yeah. you, you're not, you know, you're okay. And I remember telling my husband, like, I'm not okay. Right. Like, I'm not okay. No one, no one knew the dark thoughts that were going through my mind. Like I yeah. didn't even want to be here. And then I had two babies. So I'm like looking at my kids, trying to find strength in myself to just wake up and do this thing called life. Right. Right. And, um, it really bothered me that they just, I don't know. And I don't want, like I said, I love my parents, but they didn't see, they didn't see me. And this is what I did this show for is to be able to see somebody. Cause I wanted that. I just wanted someone to see me, to see underneath it all, what I was going through and to relate and just to be that shoulder for me, or just to hear me out or just understand what I was going through. So the show is more meaningful than anybody can ever imagine for me. This is something that I'm, I'm trying to do with purpose, which is much bigger than right, me. Right. I believe that I went through that dark place for a reason. I had yep. to go through that darkness to be able to, to help others understand it. Right. You can't, I can't help these women if I didn't go through my own darkness. Right. Absolutely. And I was in the lowest, lowest, lowest moment of my life. And um, I believe it gave me strength. It gave me strength, it gave me wisdom, it gave me courage, it gave me all of that to be able to pass on to the next person. And I remember when I was in that dark place, I didn't understand, like, why is this happening to me? Then I started to realize this is happening for me because my so much bigger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually started, I was doing radio too. I was a radio personality Mm -hmm. and that's why we moved to Atlanta. I was like, you know, I'm going to come to Atlanta, be a radio personality. I'm going to be the hottest thing out here because I made a name for myself back home in Jersey and New York. So Mm -hmm. um, that didn't happen the way I planned it. I got pregnant again, you know, uh, everything just, you know, everything changed for me. Finances is just the most darkest, strugglest moment in my life. And I just couldn't understand. And it's like today, I'm like, wow, that all happened because my purpose was much bigger than I thought it was. Like radio, you know, that it's cool, you know, but the universe and God is saying, girl, I got something way bigger for you. Mm -hmm. Pay attention 
can just hold up a little, just, you know, so this, what I hope for somebody who's watching this is for them to say, for me to say, is you are not alone. Absolutely. You are not alone. There's someone just like you going through something. And, you know, each of us have different stories mm-hmm. and you know, someone can relate to my story of being, uh, going through postpartum and just depression and just having a 360 all around because I was never, I was not always this person, you right. know, I was not, I was a hothead, just like Sabrina said, I was partying, drinking, just, you know, engaging with men that I had no business to be with, you know, just Mm -hmm. attracting the wrong men. And I changed my life through spirituality. And I'm just hoping that I can inspire somebody within my story, or just any of the stories that you see here, you hear today. And there's other women too, that are not here. So shout out to them. But somebody like can just be like, wow, Mm-hmm. I see it. I see them. And I want to do that. I want to be just like them. I want to glow how they're glowing right now. So that was really the intent behind. I'm sorry to get so emotional. But when hey. I think about that place I was in, I'm just like, no one, you have to be there to understand it. It's such a dark place. And, and people take it as a joke, or, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that serious. And mm-hmm. you look at social media, how many people are taking their lives because you're yes. saying it's not that serious. Yes. You're not seeing somebody. When people say I'm in a dark place, I'm depressed, take them serious. Exactly. Take them serious and understand that they need somebody. They need you to be mm-hmm. there. Encourage them, spread love. So that, yeah, that is like the whole, what yeah, I listen. And I, and I get it because, you know, a lot of people, they don't, they don't have that type of mentality because they've never had to go through it. They, they just brush it off. It's something that they don't want to deal with. So it, they bury it down. So when it do come up, it hits so hard and they don't know how to get through it. And so, you know, I tell, I tell my clients all the time, storms will come, but it's not until you learn to dance in the rain that you will get through them. So it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to open up, but we, I'm a firm believer that we have to have that strong support system and know who to be vulnerable with because being vulnerable with the wrong person can set you back like 10 times or, or far, farther because if they're not open, if they're not listening to, to hear and understand what you're going through instead of judgment or waiting to talk, to Put tell you, right you it's not that, it's, exactly, it's not that serious. How do you know? You're not me. I'm expressing myself to you. If you're not going to take it seriously, then we don't need to talk. Exactly. And that goes for anybody. Like that goes for yeah. anybody. That's so. really what made me want to do all of this is because I just wanted a me in my life. You know, yes. when, I, when I see those women and, and I'm connecting with each and every one of them, like, I don't know if they know this, but like I gave them everything like every bit of my attention was focused on them when they told me what they were going through I didn't take it lightly I took it where it was like how can I help them how can I guide them how can I let them see what I see in them because that's really Mm -hmm. what it is right 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 you know and sometimes when you're in that dark place you're not seeing what everyone else is seeing you're seeing a whole different version of you but I just wanted to show them that I see you I see you Mm. And I'm here for you. And I'm not judging you. I'm here giving you a safe spot that you can communicate. And we can do this together as sisters. And when we walk away, I'm not going to be talking about you. I'm not. Right. What it is, right? Mm-hmm. You walk away and then you're like, oh, did you hear what she said? Da-da-da. This is not that. We literally gathered together and became sisters. And this is not just for the show because the show, we filmed the show about almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. We still talk every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. Great rise in Texas, motivation. When someone is down, we hold each other accountable. We are really a genuine sisterhood. And I just want to spread that message, you know, going forward. 
And we and we need that as women. We need to have a strong support system that's going, you know, stand by us when we're at our lowest. Hold each other up when we we can't hold ourselves. Pray, laugh, cry, whatever. We need that. And I don't think we have it enough. And if if I'm being honest, when it comes to women, it's all about competition or pitting each other against each other, colorism and all this kind of stuff. So. I commend you. I, I'm, I'm thankful that you, you know, created the show. I'm thankful for having you guys on my platform. Y'all, y'all giving me a lot to, to think about when it comes to my own healing, because, you know, we all have to, to heal from something and I'm still working through some of mine. I won't talk about it on the air, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, might, I, might be reaching out. I might be reaching out to you yes girl please do because people don't understand like I think the whole certified life coach sometimes make people think that I'm this mother Mary uh just life is perfect over here oh, and I'm no, like no, no 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 do right. not let that title get to, uh-huh. to your head like no I'm an onion I peel one later I, I heal I rip that one layer guess what happens there's a whole nother oh, trigger that mm-hmm. pops up it's right just, I have the tools to, to ground myself, to remember that, like you said, the storm shall pass. This is an emotion and I have to feel the emotion if I want it to go away. If I suppress it, I'm not doing any justice to myself, but I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. And it's a lifestyle. It is not, it's just like working out, get taking care of your body. Taking care of your soul is a lifestyle. You have to do this every day because there's days that I wake up and I'm just not feeling good at all. Right. I'm a human mm-hmm. being, right? We're all having human experiences, but you just have to understand, like you have to be strong enough. And this is why meditation and all the, having a life coach or a therapist, or just even a friend there with support, a support system can help you remind you like, Hey, it's just, you're just having a day tomorrow's a day. Mm-hmm. day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would like to hear from one of the ladies. Do you believe that all women can benefit from having an experience such as soul sisters? Yeah, definitely. No question. (laughs) No doubt about it. I mean, but they have to be willing to be open um, to do it. I thought I knew it all, honestly. Mm. Um, I always had a rebuttal for every damn thing. And Mm. my mother would tell you I was was her problem child. Mm. You know, she was a prayer warrior. She always prayed for me, but um, I fell in love with my parents' worst habits. You know, my mom loved my dad. They came from a different country, so that's all she knew. Mm-hmm. But my father had an alcohol problem. He's a stroke survivor now. Thank God he's still alive. And our family, we're closer than we ever were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say I was one of the ones that kind of... Becoming a magician takes thousands of hours, right, Ashley? Oh, I'm not a magician. I'm a design specialist at the Container Store. But you transform closets and pantries. Well, I turn your most frustrating spaces into ones you love. With a magic wand? Uh, with Alpha, our customizable, adjustable, and affordable shelving and drawer system. The amazing Ashley, making daily frustration disappear. (laughs) Just doing my job. Hurry, you only have until February 13th to save 20% when you purchase $500 in Alpha. Get started with your free design at the Container Store today. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I, I was the one that opened my mouth about it. 
to help my mom. Mm-hmm. And then um, the girls don't really know this. I never really expressed that part of that. So in regards to it, um, I just kind of like, I fell in love with it because my father was violent when he was drinking at that time. Mm-hmm. And so my mom, mom holding on to her prayer life, if that means like holding on to God and everything else, mm-hmm. um, things change. And then each and every one of us, I'm a sister of seven girls. So just so that you know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so, you know, having my mom, not only did I, did Trish come in, but like I have both of them. So when things aren't really right, like I can get mom to like, touch and agree let's pray about this but then I have Trish to calm my black behind down right because I can act the fool out here in these streets right yeah, so we don't need you doing that um, no we don't need to do that and I like I said women could definitely benefit because someone who's hearing me right now may be that girl right. um I see it a lot like and no offense to any woman that's listening to me but we got the young girls out there listening to city girls and thinking that doing all of that is all good feel me and it's really not and I needed to tap into a higher version of myself and I hope whoever's listening to me male or female will Mm want to do the same absolutely absolutely yes 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 (laughs) y'all when it comes to people need to definitely tap into this this is a you know everybody is genuine we love one each other but we really don't get that like I have four sisters and we are very, we all are very close. That's how my mom, you know, raised us to be close. You know, we mm-hmm. all stick together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like the, like Sabrina said, the problem check. That was me. Wow. I'm always out. That was my, listen, if Monet could go out every day, she would be outside. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But once, you know, once I had my daughter and I'm just like, you know, you got to calm down. I mean, I still kind of turned up a little bit because once I was like, oh, I'm single, I'm going outside, I'm going to, you know, I'm always in the house. Why not go outside and mingle? You know, but I mean, it's not all about that all the time. You know, you still right. have to be a parent. You still want to, you know. But yes, I, I recommend anyone who's out there listening, please, if you need the healing, get the healing. What you want, you really have to want to do the work because it took me a long time. Even when we got to the house and we were doing, you'll see on the show, we were doing uh-huh. Don't the, tell, um, don't tell none of the show. <laughs> No, 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 I'm not telling, but we was, yeah. it was a scene where we had to talk out. We had to talk. And I was just like, actress, she, she's like, you know what, Vinay, I'm going to go first. Remember, it took me a while. I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I didn't want to talk. I'm like, I knew we were here for the same stuff, but I'm like, wait, let me hear somebody else's story first. Then I go there. Yeah, no, I don't want to go first. Yeah. <laughs> well, let yeah. me feel the energy first. No, on one second. See, that would be but me. Yeah, I have to so feel the energy. One, yeah. That would well, be look, me. we always did for the same reason. Then it was right. so easy for you to, to tell your to story open up. Mm-hmm. nobody is judging you. Mm-hmm. Nobody is judging you on, you know, what's going on because we was all there for the same thing, the similar story. So it was just like, it was a bomb. We had a blast. I was, listen, season two, I'm telling you. Listen, you need I to cannot, be there. Listen, I cannot <laughs> wait to watch. I cannot wait to watch. And I'll be like, oh, they were on my show. Yeah, okay. Oh, this is yes. what she was talking about. Okay. Yes. When, yes. when it comes to healing and going through the process of being a part of Soul Sisters, what is one thing that each of you ladies can tell someone who's listening that they can do to start that process? We mainly, we mainly just answered that previously. Basically, you have, oh, be ready for one. You have one, be ready. Two, want it. 
And then three, know that it's going to be an emotional role. You're going to have some highs, some lows, some ups, some downs, some ins, and some outs. But it's okay because that's the that's the journey. That's, so when you're going through that, that's actually the journey. Because when you go through that high, when you complete that low, and when you finish that up, you want, at the end of that tunnel, you will be like, damn. Yeah. I made it. That's, a, that's amazing. Like, you want to feel like you grew up itch. Yeah. Like, like your <laughs> now, you know, your stance is a little more taller. You, your yeah. back is a straight. Mm-hmm. Your back is a little more, you know, person. You know, like. Your glow is lit. <laughs> you start Absolutely. those, like, even though, um, Trish say peeling back the onion, but with the healing journey, you add in the elevation of the blocks to mm-hmm. who you are because mm-hmm. you actually finding out and seeing the best version of yourself and absolutely. your walk come different. You start mm-hmm. to see clearly. So absolutely. So want it, believe it, and be ready for it. Absolutely. Love that. You will definitely gain the clarity over the confusion that you're probably living in right now. Mm-hmm. The prison that you're like the the prison that you're living in your mind, like uh, I mean, Trish knows I used to overthink, overanalyze stuff, always questioning myself. Like, is this right? Am I doing this right? Is this right? And I still probably do it, but then I'm like, nah. Like it's like it's, you gain you, you gain a sense of confidence dealing yeah. with Trish. I mean, and maybe dealing with you too, Kiki, because you know you're a certified life coach as well. But I can only speak from the experience I've been getting. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when you see the show, if you saw the trailer, like, mm-hmm. I hope you can see the difference between each and every one of our faces, because it's like, is that me? Because I'd be looking at myself like, is that really you, Brina? Like, damn. <laughs> like, yeah. Trish got a song like, wonder why I shine, that's the glow. Hey, that's the glow, that's the glow. And you really will listen to her songs. Like, she got beautiful songs out. Two okay. on all platforms that like you could have listened to. I did not know that. And like, who knows? Trish probably got some some more testimonies out there because her song is out there. You understand? What I'm and saying that nobody. The like, What's the name of the song? The song, huh? so I have a song called uh, "Glow." I have a song called "Meditate." I have a couple songs out there on every streaming platform. I actually, my husband, shout out to my husband. I'm signed to Empire, which is one of the biggest labels there he put me i i did one song and i was already signed and i'm like oh my god like this is crazy like i'm just (laughs) doing this but you know sabrina to answer that it is you know what's really amazing is people in jail are buying meditate off jpay my husband one day was like who you know in jail i'm like i don't know nobody in jail he's like why you got all these sales from jail and i'm like I don't know, but I hope that I'm starting a movement in there because they need yeah. it the most. Yes. And the, it's a song, but it's also a guided meditation. So definitely, it's on every platform: iTunes, Spotify, Pandora. Oh, I'm, 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 a, I'm about to hit you up. I'm about to. I <laughs> wrote it down. Listen, because I'm all about That's that. Right. Like when I became a, I'm certified in meditation as well. But I'm like that guided meditation changed my life. Like I tell anybody. I meditate every day in the shower. Sometimes I could just be, uh, you know, editing a podcast and I'm meditating. It changed my life. So I I get it. I get it. Not everybody can, not everybody wants to try it though. I have come across people. Mm-hmm. I don't know I why, was judged, but from the from the church community for that, 
And I actually had to let my family know, no names, but I had to let her know, like, until you can actually come and see what I'm doing, mm-hmm. don't judge it. And it's guided. So don't think that the person, like, like how you go to churches, you can't let everybody put their hands on you because you don't know what they really got going on that they transferring mm-hmm. on to. Yeah, I, mean, you better I learned that the hard way. Mm-hmm. Like, the church people contact my family now wondering how we doing. We good. Like, we're great. Like mm-hmm. trials and tribulations may come our way, but we're, we're withstanding every single thing that comes at us, if that Absolutely. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can say, like, you know what I mean? Like not everybody I can go and meditate with. That's why I reached out to Trish and I'm just so like, it's a blessing. It's a big blessing to see all of these girls, all these women that came and was just open-minded and who really needed it. And I could, I could see all of their glow. Like you get what I'm saying? So, yeah. Definitely. And it's another thing as well why okay so also people who probably hesitate it's like you finding a therapist you won't end up interviewing going through a couple of what a couple of them before you find the right one right so uh, you may not connect the the alignment the energy the vibration may not be there so but don't give up because that person you are not aligning with then try another one but it's just the fact that i was just blessed and she was i didn't pick her she was sent to me. Mm. And all I did was I prayed. Mm. I heard the mm. answer. The, uh, he, she came through, do through someone else when I was on one of my sister's lives. Mm-hmm. And that was it. He, he did that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he works through people. Exactly. You know, and not get it right there when you want it, but he's right there on time. When you and need that, he may not come straight to you. He's going to work through somebody else to get to you right. or, get you, or get you what you ask for, what you need. Mm-hmm. But also the thing is, I, and it was so crazy that how I hear my sister Sabrina always saying about how the church people, and this could be a whole different podcast and I don't want to take it. Right? No. But how the, hey. how the church people, and I was in bed one time because I know my sister, she says this every time. And, and, and I'm glad that she constantly, she's consistent to repeat this so it could finally get into the church people's head that it's got a meditation. Not only that, at the same time, if you actually, if I, what I feel, the chakras, the energy, the aura, the heartbeat, the drum, the, you know, isn't that the, some of the same things if you read the Bible, same thing in the universe of what he, like, I, I'm kind of confused, church people. You know but, what? I find oh, that people. I find that a lot of people put their mouths on stuff that they don't understand. Yes. And they're so set in their ways because they don't want to step out of tradition, quote unquote. So don't knock what somebody else is doing, especially if it's not causing any harm to anybody. Just let it be. Yes. Let and it another be. thing we always judge ourselves like I overheard someone on their live recently and they were talking their God fearing and they were like being so hard on themselves and I was just like and I'm listening to myself say it to myself out loud because I'm hearing Trish in my ear on one side like mm-hmm. don't be so hard on yourself why you like like I used to stress out about I gotta post today Trish I'm so anxious I need it like it was like, if you all calm down and just be creative, like let the creative, let it flow. Let it flow. Let it, yes. let it flow. 
yes. and you just be like acting like and i'm not like we said we're not saying that we live in a, a oh my gosh like you know life but mm -hmm. i'm free like right. i'm free from all of the pain all of mm -hmm. the and people see it mm -hmm. i have people reach out to me like yo you're radiating like mm. You don't like, I don't know if you know this, but I just wanted to make sure I let you know. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, I thank God, like stuff like that. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, it, it, and you know, it's, it's not to act like we, cause we say great rising and grand rising. You want to judge me for it. I'm sorry. Cause I'm not mourning every day. Exactly. Sorry. Thank you. Go ahead, sis. I love it. I love it. There's nothing wrong. What we're just trying to feed in positivity into your subconscious, right? But and, and and that goes back to the mindset of people want to be hypocrites. You don't stop talking about stuff you don't know. If you want to know what that means, go to someone and ask. But everybody Sorry. don't explain it the way that it's supposed to be explained because for every good, there is an evil. So right. be be careful with that. But um, listen, I got I got crystals in my office. Listen, who you telling? Love them. <laughs> I listen, pray over them. Look, I cleanse them and all this. And kind of she stuff, taught so. us that too. And we, right. I didn't know nothing about crystals. Like, you know, and then um, at one point, like, I remember hearing my younger sisters, all the young folk, when we used to be in church, and then we, we used to ask the apostle, is it okay for us to wear an owl? Is it okay for us to wear this? Is it okay? And I'm like, we really asking that? Like, we really would ask that. Like, we, and, June, shout out to our chef June. She was she could attest to what I'm talking about. And Kwame is too probably we used to have to wear skirts down to our ankles just to go to church because we were curvy women. Mm. And nope. I, I found that really annoying. Like my cousins used to get judged because they wore high heels so high they thought they I'm like that's what they wanted to wear. Like I can't wear high heels. I gotta wear flats because I'm not needed flat foot and, and pigeon toe. But <laughs> oh, like, wow. yeah, let my sis, let my sis, let her rock. Like yeah. you know, and I didn't like that. They judged too much, and I'm like, you're but not you're supposed God. to become as you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and you know what I teach them is I always tell them with every session, people who are judging is, is just projecting what's going on inside of them onto you. And absolutely. when you judge when you judge someone else, you're judging yourself because mm -hmm. we're each a reflection of each other, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you can't even if anybody is listening and you are dealing with judgment, just know, you know, don't even feed into it because that's another thing. We have energy vampires that they just want, they want you to combat them. They want you to rebuttal what they say. They want a piece of that energy and they'll do anything to, you know, to get it. To they'll get trick it. Mm -hmm. you. And once you start to say, my new book. <laughs> There you, you go, that? right? Oh, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that once one. you start to like all of these women here, you you can't you you can't get a piece of our energy unless we invite you. Period. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I'm, I, I I haven't been a part of the show, but I I have that mentality. You already. are a soul sister already, girl. What are you talking yeah. about? This? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I like I tell people all the time: stop <laughs> giving energy to stuff you don't have no control over. People gonna be people. And if they to the point where they judge you and don't know you or your situation, not trying to help you, those are not your people. Your vibe will attract your tribe. And I'm a firm That's believer right. in that. So just be you and be you authentically and unapologetic. Do what makes you happy and you will attract more happiness into your life. And those people will just start to fade effortlessly. You won't even have to like cancel them. They cancel themselves out, you know? Right. And like you said, your tribe will appear. And this right here, this is our tribe. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to make it big enough to invite more people like-minded like us to join mm -hmm. our tribe. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be a force to be reckoned with and folks going right. to be falling off because they don't understand. You don't, you can't stay in somebody's space when you, when, let, when that spirit, you know, is different. You can't be in people's space like that. It's just not going to happen. It's yeah. not. We're it's too it's divinely insane. protected for that. It's our exactly. energy, our aura is too strong, especially mm -hmm. when we're together. And mm. you'll see when you watch the show, you'll see like there was some, it was a magical energy. Like I know most people ask, oh, you guys had no drama. And I'm like, no, you like there were we I chose these women based off of energy and our energy was so strong there that it was just we were radiating to the point that when you watch it, you're going to be like, I feel that I can imagine how it was there because I feel it to the hey, show. Listen, like, we, I feel it. I'm telling y'all like all y'all is I, 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 y'all see I'm speechless and look, I like to talk. So I'm like, okay, no words. I love I, this. I want to say yeah. this real quick because. We since we touching on it in regards to because I feel like when people sit there and they um they try to come for you in some type of way that because they see your light they see the light and they try to dim your light mm -hmm. and and the thing is let me tell you something like what Brenda said when she you know she got her mom for this side and Trishie on the side and her ear or whatever mm -hmm. um my thing is that's the same thing with me because I had a recent experience I was on a panel that went too long. And, you know, at the same time, I'm like, should I allow this person to sit there and run me off or what I'm going to do? What I'm going to do is smile bigger, laugh louder, because what it is, he's mad. Yeah. You know, and that's exactly what I did, because at the end of the day, I always told myself that I'm going to always remove myself out of the room. But I wasn't in the room with him, but I could have left this, the, you know, the whole the stream. But the mm -hmm. thing. I was invited. So my perspective was very important to the person who invited me. But at the end of the day, people will see, and then especially me running down my at your accolades. That's another thing. People will see, hear your accolades. They would see your light shining. They would dim it. Because just like Trishy said, people do that because it's something within them mm -hmm. that in you that they probably want. And he, he probably wanted within me and he's struggling, don't know where to go and how to right. get it. Absolutely. It's like, it's like when you're in a, a dark room for so long, right? And someone opens a curtain, you're like, ah, yeah, mm -hmm. like you're blinding me. Mm -hmm. It's like that darkness don't want that bright aura. And you were blinding yeah. him, sis. Right. But you know, like the glow, like my song, put some sunglasses on if I'm too bright. That's <laughs> your listen. <laughs> I, think, I think we kindred souls because I say that if you shine it too bright, hand them some sunglasses, give them to right. them for the, and put them on because I'm not going to yeah. dim my shine. Sounds no. like a personal mm -hmm. problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But listen, ladies, this has been a great, great episode. I thank you for coming to kick it with me. And in the honor of Black History Month, and it's just a little fun thing, shout out your favorite character from a Black movie in honor of Black History Month. I'll go first. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shout out Smokey from Friday. That was my boy. So shout out to Smokey this Black History Month. Gotcha. I'm going to shout out, dang, you know, I don't know if somebody's going to do it, but I'm going to shout out Michael Blackson. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but I'm going to shout him out. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's my Liberian brother. He He's definitely always been, like, dope to me, and I just love his energy. He's just, he, like, yeah, I like him. 
Shout out to I'm going to do, I'm going to do Oprah from the color purple, sis. You already yes. know that's me and Sabrina's movie. Um, and, and also she's a, she's a role model. She's a, she's an inspiration, you know, but me and Sabrina, when we watch that movie, we know it's supposed to be serious, but we, you have to laugh through some of the stuff that we go through and some of the stuff she went through. Cause listen. Miss mm-hmm. hey, Sophia went playing around. Right. Right. Don't start, Sabrina. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm a shout out to Raji. That's my girl. I love her. Taraji be instant, honey. She got cookies. Oh she got uh Yvette. Yes. yes, so many. Yes, you yes. got that. Event oh that, that yes. <laughs> right now, BET. Shout out to BET Black Entertainment Television. They right now playing every movie. T T TJ is the like TP. She's the bomb. Like, yes. but yes. I gotta give that to her too. I gotta say, shout out to Roger P Henson, especially to TBJ. Her hair product is what you know. The girl. <laughs> 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 But I also need to shout out to the baddest chick in the game besides Jennifer Lewis. But we got to give shout out to um, Angela Bassett. That scene and um, what is What's that? love got to do with it? And she had that cigarette in the car. Maybe. And wait to Yes. Yes. Listen, she's been young in every movie. I'm every like, what movie. is this girl using yep. on her skin? Because right. she's in everything and the same age in every movie. And yes. it's like it's like the, the, the older she gets, the younger she looks. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. And she's 60, 63 Five. years old. Five. That was a good one, Q. That was really a good it one. Was, yeah. That was, like, <laughs> ma'am, do you know that there, there's a fire burning in, in front of your house? Yes. I gotta get one more. I mean, I have to give it to Medea all day. Tyler Perry. Okay, Tyler Perry. That's so funny. I was thinking that too. I was, I like, was thinking it. I thought you, you know were going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. I love, oh my God. Yeah. He's hilarious. Because he definitely put, definitely what goes on in our community with depression mental health, everything, um, abuse, every single thing when it comes to the body of the anatomy of man and woman, relationships, marriages, everything. He put it on the screen and he mm-hmm. did to not let nobody tell him that he couldn't, that this man created his own damn studio. Mm. Shout out to Tyler Perry. Shout out to yeah. Tyler. Shout right. out. Yes. You know my favorite movie is Daddy's Little Girl. That was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was good. Oh, and mm-hmm. how can we forget Idris uh, Elba? Uh-huh. Idris. Oh, yes. Oh, he and he married oh, somebody named Sabrina, but it ain't me. And he, y'all know he's British, right? So like he right. plays an American so well. He does. Yes, he, does. he plays. He does. He does. He's good. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny? I didn't even know he was British until one time in his interview, and I was right. like, oh, No, but he's he has he's African though. His background is African. Right? I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's playing American accent too well that I never knew that he was British. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I just wanted I just wanted to throw that in there, just you know, because we could get question. a little heavy at time. We could get a little heavy, so bring some humor and and just throw some love for our people. Thank you, ladies, again for coming and kicking with me tonight. I have enjoyed this so much. I cannot wait for listeners to listen and tune in. Uh, for everybody that's going over to YouTube, y'all get to see the behind the scenes and all of the, 
the laughter, the tears and stuff like that. If you listening, you ain't going to see all that. So listening, then come on over to YouTube so you can see everybody. Because it's nothing like putting a face to the voices. So I'm, that's why I, I post to both platforms. But before we get out, you know, is there any closing remarks you like to say? Like anything that you would uh, like listeners to know about the upcoming live? Tell everybody about that. Like plug it a little bit so we can tune in and, and break the internet with this. So February 10th, we are having an exclusive watch party on Facebook Live. This is going to be the premiere because it's actually not even dropping yet. I'm just giving you guys the first look February 10th. So you have to be there. If not, you're going to have to wait because we're not releasing it until February 23rd. And that's not even set in stone yet. So if you want to be the first to watch it along with the girls of the cast, the beautiful ladies of Soul Sisters, this is going to be their first time watching it too. So come join us. February 10th at 9 p.m. on Facebook Live. Go follow at Soul Sisters Reality Show. Follow myself at Trishy Marie if you're ever interested in life coaching. And the good thing about me is I, I'm like a friend. I'm, I try, like, yes, I'm a certified life coach, but I try to be your friend. So it's, it's, it's a different vibe. If you want to meditate, definitely hit me up as well. Shout out to my husband, Ladeze, and my company, Sure Shot Company, because if it wasn't for them, you guys wouldn't have anything to watch February 10th, okay? So, um, Kiki, I want to thank you. Thank you so, so much for having us. You, we, This is day 25 of our press tour, and you were the wow. first thing to cry. Just letting wow. you know. Yeah, this is the first time. I don't think any of the other ladies were, this is their first time seeing me really break down a little bit more and in depth, so... Something about your energy made me feel safe enough to do that. I was that. just about to say that. So, it's the energy. It's the same yes, space. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And shout out to all of my Soul Sisters out there. I'm very, very excited. So definitely stay tuned. February 10th at Soul Sisters Reality Show. Check us out. Absolutely. Any of you ladies would like to say anything before we go ahead and get off? Um, you could just follow me on Instagram at um, I am dot S-E-B-R-E-N-A, Sabrina. And you could follow my business page, Curves Beauty underscore LLC. And I'm a New Jersey realtor. So um, shout out to One Stop Realty Shop if you need anything with land, commercial, or residential needs. Holla at your girl. And you can follow your girl, Benet. I am Benet on Instagram. And then you can follow me on Twitter as Benay973. And then on Facebook is Benay Michelle. And yes, listen, all the listeners out, out that's out there, please, please, please get us get us to Trisha, okay? She is the bomb.com. I love her to death. And I'm a girl from Newark. So listen, if you know, then you know. <laughs> listen, meditation, whatever you, whatever makes you happy. But please listen to the meditation. It it got me out of that dark space. If you watch the YouTube, you can see this beautiful glow. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. So I definitely want to say thank you so much, Kiki, for accepting the invitation and allowing us to be able to share our story within the power that we stand within our story to your viewers. And what I do want to say to the viewers before I give my handles is that um, there is a light at the end of your tunnel. Pain does not last forever. It's temporary. Right. And when you're ready, know that there's a place out here for you and that there's a tribe that's ready for you. All you got to do is DM Trishy Marie on the, um, Instagram, Facebook, and or if you don't want to DM her and you feel connected to one of the sisters to be able to get through to her, 
you could be able to reach out to us as well. Um, at the end of the day, we still align. The connection still will go through her and to her. Um, so, but definitely follow your girl Q at Pillow Talk with the T podcast um, at all major platforms on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, all that good sugar, sugar. And also subscribe to the YouTube channel. I will be turning back on March 3rd for amazing, beautiful season four, which is elevating to a whole different elevation element. I just can't wait to show you guys what I have in store. Also, know that um, I am, I have another show that's called Brown Sugar Divas Talk, which is real talk dipped in brown sugar with my, um, from Red Lipstick Vibes podcast, Ty 